0: What's happening, friends? Welcome to Unlocked. It's a palindrome week, episode 414. My favorite kind of episode is the palindrome episode. Uh, we've got plenty to cover this week. Uh, my thoughts on After Party, the uh, cool new comedic adventure game coming up from the makers of Oxenfree. We've got Brendan Tyrell emerging from the depths of uh, Aroa, Yeah, to, to give us his final take on Ghost Recon Breakpoint. Mm-hmm. We've got... Uh, P- some ps5 news which we'll talk about in the context of xbox scarlet and what that could mean for the uh, next generation of video games big news for doom eternal we'll cover that and plenty more coming up on podcast unlocked i just have to find this thing the little video graphic enjoy
1: podcast unlocked.
0: I think all of that picked up on Mike. That was... I that think
2: was Brandon. I don't think it did. That was I think awful. If
0: you heard the bones crunching... Ugh. That was our senior editor Brandon Tyrell, who I think is secretly a Terminator, (laughs) just like cracking his endoskeleton.
2: I'm gonna be in so many video (laughs) games next year. Awful, Uh, gross sound. I've been in a capture bay for like. See a chiropractor, my God. You've also
3: been keeping it pretty dark. (laughs) Are you secretly like a ghoul or something?
2: It's it's. Have you been in 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 there? It's,
3: yeah.
2: uh, I need to get this closer. It is like 90 degrees. It's awful. Air, so, it's so I keep, real bad. I keep the uh, lights off because it helps just attach. Yeah. I couldn't tell if it was you. was like,
3: is that Brandon in there? Yeah. <laughs>
2: <What's> <laughs> happening?
0: Uh, Ryan McCaffrey here, Brandon Tyrell to my left, to his left, Miranda Sanchez. Hello. And the great Mark Medina to my right today. Hi. Just mixing it up a little bit, taking oh. the Destin chair. Bam. bam. I
3: was say, we got to do the honorary <laughs> we bam. We got to
0: do it. The honorary bam. Uh, so yeah, lots to get to. Brandon, let's start. With Ghost Recon Breakpoint, this—I mean, this is one of the major fall releases. It's—it's uh, it's already here. It kind of—that's
2: what like I hear. It snuck up a
0: little bit. Yeah, right? that's—that's
2: that's the weird thing. They did the—they did the early access sort of if you buy the premium version or or the. Um the Next level up version, uh, you get to play it. It was something crazy like four days early,
1: yeah. October I, I am
0: yeah. not a fan, just in general, of the pay more to play early thing, but yeah.
2: please continue. I that's don't really care, care if that's how you want to spend your money, but I, mean, it, I guess it, does, it doesn't really affect it. Does
1: me. make the job harder for the review, yeah. Um, yeah. remember when Anthem came out like six times? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I do actually. <laughs> um,
2: yeah, so Ghost Recon, it is uh. It is right in line with what Ubisoft has been doing the last couple years. What is that? The last decade, really. (laughs) They have. Fun co op open world.
3: That sounded like a game that I don't really want to play, though I do like those things. (laughs) They
2: they have (laughs) their two arenas, right? They have their competitive um, sort of game of service with For Honor and Rainbow Six. And Mm -hmm. by and large, their really other major uh, sort of tentpole is the open world game that we've played in the division and now Ghost Recon and Assassin's Creed and there's another one but Far, at least Assassin's Far Cry. But yeah it's pivoted yeah. to like becoming yeah. an open world role playing that so, that, was like so the that's the thing it, interest, sorry,
3: sorry that was like the most interesting Ubisoft game I've seen in a long time that I actually wanted to play and I did play
2: I, I sorry, re- which one Odyssey. Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Oh, what a game. I reviewed it, gave it a 9.2. I think it's the best game in the series because it does what it wants to do really, really well, which is be an open-world RPG with a ton of personality.
3: How about Ghost Recon?
2: Ghost Recon is an open-world RPG that doesn't really know what it's doing. The Mm -hmm. Ghost Recon series has always been about that sort of like stealth tactical play. Um, And here they really sort of, which admittedly can be fun. If you enjoy the op- the Ubisoft open world experience, mm. that's Ghost Recon. Like you you're lots of outposts to drop, lots of collectibles, so many collectibles to find. Um, their open worlds are always beautiful. Always, always beautiful. The lighting's on point. It just it's in this weird mix between a Ghost Recon game and a division game mm-hmm. with elements of all their other series thrown in. Mm. It really seemed like they didn't really know how to make it unique and give like, it its own personality. Does it just feel
0: like it's it was it's like focus test to the game? <clears> it sort of is. Hard like I, I said
2: in my review in progress um, that it feels like the Ubisoft sampler platter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. There, there really is just like elements from every single game in here. Right. And not that that's a that bad
0: thing per se. The
2: elements themselves are, are fine. I mean, there's been a, a huge uproar online about the microtransactions, which I don't particularly feel are are particularly gross or predatory. I know there's a lot of concern with like, well, they make the game artificially grindy and then give you like battle passes. The, the and it's time savers. It's the same conversation we had with Assassin's Creed Odyssey as well. Right. I don't feel like you really need time savers, but if you're, you know, a mother of three or a father of three and you only play for two hours after work, two nights a week, like maybe that's something you're interested yeah. in. And if that's how you want to spend your money, like early access, totally fine. with mm-hmm. to it. As long as they don't penalize the rest of the players. Exactly. Uh, which I don't I don't feel that they do. There are things that you can only buy with stuff, but like it's twenty nineteen. That's most of the games out now. Um the story itself is fine. It is a serviceable story. John Bernthal was obviously the big marketing push this time around. Yeah. And if you Seen or know who John Bernthal is? He plays John Bernthal. I mean, really yeah, well. We, we, we had,
0: yeah, Mark and I had gotten the vibe at least, and I at least I was very vocal about it because I did the preview that the story was Laughably. nonsensibly nonsensically. <laughs> it is, like, it
2: is fine. Like, fine, it, okay. it is one of those Tom Clancy. We had this conversation yesterday. <laughs> yeah. It's a Tom Clancy ripped from the headlines um you know fear of surveillance and artificial intelligence and drones and yeah, yeah. the future of warfare and terrorism and warfare sort of merging together it's fine like
3: sounds very generic
2: yeah it is yeah. so it is so like forgettable especially because the mission structure of the game is go press this button or find this person or kill this person at outpost A you go and get intel and discover clues and then you go to B and then C and then you finally meet up at D and, and do the thing that you're supposed to be doing, and then you go get your cutscene, but in the half hour to hour between the two cutscenes, I'm like, yeah, wait, who is this person again? <laughs> this is the CEO of the, <laughs> the tech company, not the head programmer, and it, it's just, it's really forgettable. Bernthal really is the best part, but he's used sparingly. Yeah, He, yeah. he usually comes in and, like, flashback cutscenes. I mean, we were yeah, we were
0: talking yeah. in, the, in the office that even, we kind of got into this conversation about, you know, how you feel about the game and how, you know, I think we were both on the same page that Clancy games, when they first came around on the original Xbox, yeah, really innovated in, in the gameplay space. Like they were really known for, for pushing things. I mean, Splinter Cell pushed into, you know, did stealth so well and pushed technology in the form of the lighting was incredible. And, and the original ghost recon was this, just sprawling outdoor one shot one kill game and Rainbow Six. And was that's this sort of what they're tight selling. Tight planning, yeah. you know, close quarter thing. And uh, but the the stories in Ghost Re... In, even in all the Clancy games, pretty much always been it's it's super forgettable. It's even
2: military warfare, <laughs> like
0: even Splinter Cell: Chaos Theory, one of my favorite games of all time, and I think absolutely the best Clancy game ever made. I, I can't even tell you what the story – it was the same oh. exact yeah. thing you just said. Well, I mean –
1: Division was kind of the same deal. Yeah. Was, oh, yeah. When H1N1 was like a big deal and so it was like Black Friday and this disease. You yeah. know. <laughs> I forgot about H1N1. <laughs>
2: I know. Uh, yeah, and I mean even if you look at the Clancy films, right, like the Jack Ryan series, right. they're, again, they're ripped from the headlines like there's a, a terrorist that brought a nuke onto American soil or there's an assassination plot against the president. Doesn't matter who's playing Jack Ryan. It's you. You kind of get it, right? Yeah. Same like a Bond movie. I really enjoy Bond movies, but doesn't really matter. Like we we know what's going to happen, right? I just want to
3: see the cool spy stuff.
2: Yeah, that's but pretty much it. But so the the problem with Ghost Recon is it just it doesn't. I feel like it never really finds a direction that it wants to go. Mm. Um. Or if it did, it was mandated that it brings in all these other elements because you have the games as service elements in there mm. with raids, which the entire game, you're told to get to gear score 150. There is gear score now, just like an MMO and like Division. Or you know, Destiny, yeah. Or Destiny, yeah. And so you get to gear score 150, and you're like, all right, time to drop this big robot thing. Basically a Metal Gear, I imagine. But the raid's not out yet. so
0: You just get there and nothing happens. Yeah.
2: And I'm fine well, with that, right? Like, okay, a game as a service. I, I understand Like, this is post-launch content. But the entire game, they're telling you about raids and There's the NPC is like, come talk to me when you're ready to join the raid. And I was like, I'm ready to join the raid. You you get to the end of the rainbow and there's no gold. (laughs) And and they're like (laughs) they're like, Okay, here's the deal. Bad stuff is happening. Get out there and good luck, soldier. And then it's just like, wait. Like, wait, wait for Mm. it to come out. Mm. Um, the PvP mode is super forgettable. It is two modes. One is deathmatch, one is basically sabotage, like counter strike, plant, plant defend. I, I don't know. It's all over the place. It really it really like pulls in elements from everything to see what sticks, but it loses the element it, that made it really good in the first is place. Is it fair to call it a Jack of all trades, master of none? Jack Ryan of all trades? Oh. Hey. Yeah. Nailed it. Um, that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, that's, that would be a fair assessment. I remember
1: I you, we were talking the other day. You were saying that it's, like, it's super weird that the game has like a, a – so like in Division, you have a gear score, you get stronger. That's mm. how it works. Where in this one, you have a gear score, you get stronger – but everything's still just one hit kill if you get them to the head. Well, yeah.
2: So I Aww. I am playing on default difficulties, and I'm, I'm not sure if that is an element of the default difficulty. I don't think it is. I think they're keeping that in there because they're still playing to that fantasy of the one shot, mm-hmm. one kill. If you yep. are skillful enough, and you are enough of a gun artist, really, you can you can kill a person with one headshot. And like it's ridiculous. The very opening hour of the game, they throw you against like end game level guys mm-hmm. and you're supposed to be afraid and run away. But I had an assault rifle and just headshotted seven <laughs> so of them and I was like, oh, okay. Well that <laughs> that solves that. So the majority of the game is really just go to an outpost, hide Mark it all up, and then go in and headshot, headshot, headshot,
1: headshot, headshot. headshot. So, did you play on guided mode, or, or I did
2: play on guided mode. There is an optional like intel mode where you're mm-hmm. supposed to discover clues that. Yeah, lead I like that. When we thing.
1: played, that's how that's how we played it. Yeah, and
2: and that's that's cool. Not for a review, but that's sure that's sure. cool. Like I, I don't have any illusions that uh, that I would have been able to finish the review at a decent pace had no. I been having
1: to go around and find clues and not we, have waypoints. We played for like what four hours so like five, I think we did like one or two missions yeah because <laughs> it, yeah. it does take a lot long you have to question people and do stuff like that but here's what
2: I think is it really like
3: I get a little bit tedious after a while too
1: it's
2: very tedious oh. and and that's what's crazy is like the story is weak up front just because you're introduced to a dozen different characters that all have some weird stake in this sort of tech utopia that's gone mm-hmm. wrong um, so the story is weak up front, but I actually really enjoyed the gameplay up front because it's a Ubisoft open world game. Sure. And then there's this like great game, good gameplay, mm, sort of weak story, and then towards the end of the game, the balance shifts and the story starts ramping up and picking up. But by then, the gameplay is so just overdone.
1: You've you've done the yeah, same I've, thing I've a million done times. it. Yeah, yeah.
0: So what I'd like to ask you is, how do you feel? Because I know this is this is a different game, and Ubisoft's been trying to very much position it as this is not Wildlands 2, But we've had two Ghost Recon's in this kind of mold now. Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you want to see Ghost Recon try to reinvent itself in the next generation, or do you think that there's the, 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 there's more to be uh, done in with this style of of game that they're doing now?
2: I don't. <sighs> It's a great question, and the answer is at the, this point, I'm not sure. Yes, obviously I would like to see them innovate. Um, it's weird because Breakpoint really doesn't have its own identity in that it's supposed to be this sneaky tactical game, and yet you're encouraged encouraged in the menus to play it in co-op. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's it's weird because it is optimized for co-op, and then what happens is, how many times are you going to get four players to uh, to all crouch down, mark their targets, and snipe them all at the same time? Which you can do, and when it happens, it's amazing. Yeah, got to, we well, got they, got, they have the sync shot. They have the, the, the yeah, sync shot, yeah. And you can actually – there are drones now that you can throw out, and they sync up for you if you're playing alone, so you can actually take down four oh, guys cool. at the same time. Mm-hmm. All that stuff is really cool, but the majority of it is just like, oh, my buddy's in a helicopter. He's just going to rain death down on this base, and I'm going to run in and press the button. So I, I don't. I don't know. Obviously, I think – Ghost Recon should innovate mm. next time I think this what they're what they've presented with breakpoint has already been done really with the division and far cry yeah,
0: and and I think for me that's Again, I haven't played nearly as much. You ended up you're about forty
2: hours. Yeah, I'm. I'm well. I finished the story after about forty hours. Okay, I've, I've put several more in on yeah. PvP just to do my due diligence. But, but yeah, it,
0: so I think for me as somebody who, I mean, I've been a fan of the Clancy games again since the original Xbox when we were just living, sleeping, eating, breathing them all, mm-hmm. and they've always had their own very distinct identity. You know, with Splinter Cell and I said Ghost Recon with the just you know, quiet, outdoor, shoot-a-guy-from-a-mile-away thing. It, it was
2: Ubisoft's like, stealth action game. Right,
0: and, mm-hmm. and I feel like... I think that's what frustrates me about Breakpoint. It, not that it's a bad game, and we're not sure. saying that at all, but that it just... It sort of has... It doesn't have a distinct identity anymore, yeah. the way that... I mean, Splinter Cell does, but Splinter Cell's been out of the game for now. We're going on six years without Splinter Cell. Rainbow Six, to its credit absolutely has an identity and siege has been strong for it's mm-hmm. now it's going on five years uh division i guess there's an
2: identity there i mean it's 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 their prototypical game of service game it's, yeah it's, it's their it's answer their to their destiny MMO. but
0: yeah, yeah. I, I, so that's for me i i am hoping that in the next generation which we're going to talk more about in a couple minutes that the ghost recon does <laughs> throw all this out and reinvent itself and find find and really grab onto a distinct identity. I'm
2: not sure what that niche is though right now actually and maybe maybe they're not banking on this being that tactical stealth espionage game uh, that it's sort of been known as because maybe we're going to get a new Splinter Cell next gen. I, don't, I hope I don't, so. I don't know um, but I have no idea where the series goes from here because it's it, it overlaps with so many other elements of all their other games that it, it just ends up being okay.
0: Yeah all right well there it is and your final review i mean we're recording this on tuesday of this video you should be seeing or listening to this yeah fine. by the end of the day
2: on tuesday so your so final review will go up wednesday wednesday probably okay. late afternoon or early evening you Gotta I
0: edit the video the yeah, whole production a, thing like so.
2: once i once i have my opinion and everything is written and it, the score is down then the actual work starts and we have to do all the capture and oh, then yeah. the video gets edited so it's a bit of a production but uh, look for it late Wednesday.
0: Fantastic. All right. Uh, real quick. I just want to mention, I went and played after party, mm-hmm. uh, which is completely different than <laughs> ghost recon and every way what it's doing. Yeah. Uh, if you, it's from night school studio, the makers of oxen free. So if you played oxen free, you're going to be right at home here. It is a, uh, adventure game about two college age friends who find themselves. They figure out that they're dead and in hell and they, they're like, well, they get, they've basically learned that they if they can out-drink Satan at a, a, a bars, they can escape hell and be alive again. So you don't know why they died, how they died. Uh, I played the first about two hours and really had a good time with it. It gave me a lot of old-school LucasArts adventure yeah, game vibes. Yeah. Now, granted, it's not at all... There are no object-based puzzles to solve. It's just, it's all dialogue, it's dialogue. similar to how Oxenfree was. But hmm. the sort of... The tone, the style, the, even the, like, the fact that you're just sort of more or less on a 2D plane, right. like, it's, there's a lot of classic LucasArts elements to it. Um, so yeah, I, I had a really good time with it, I think. It, and that, that's, again, launching into Game Pass at the end of the month, so it's another one to that's keep awesome. on your radar. Yeah.
3: Great Halloween game if you're not looking for something spooky.
2: Yes. Yeah, and that style is really cool too. Yeah. It's not your traditional Old Testament fire and brimstone. No, it's- it is super mm-hmm. colorful and kind of dark and- it, it It's
0: kind of like the art style is a little, speaking of LucasArts, I feel like a little reminiscent of Grim Fandango actually. Mm-hmm. You know, I know both dealt with kind of the the land of the dead. You know, sure. the, but yeah, even the the sort of color and, and s- style of it is in the same way too. So uh, speaking of After Party- IGN Unfiltered returns today, actually, with, thank you, with, uh, we're in the new set right, right behind us here, the bar arcade setup, shooting there with, there's a working tap, there's, we had beers, <laughs> I mean, and it's- It's so uh,
3: perfect with- After party. I know who. It uh,
0: it turns out, unfiltered (laughs) was a very prescient name. Like it was uh, really worked out well. Just took us a while to find the right set, right? Uh, And and Sean Crankle of Night School Studio, creator of Oxenfree and After Party, is uh, is my guest. The the fact that the unfiltered interview and the preview embargo for that actually worked out to be a freak coincidence. Did not Mm. plan it that way. But yeah, Sean came in a couple weeks ago. We had a great time. Uh, his career is really interesting. Mm. He got his start working at a uh, on an on an Aaron spelling teenage soap opera huh. in, in the late 90s. Did he meet Tori spelling? Just you'll have to listen to the interview to find <laughs> out. And yeah, ended up working for Disney and had this, he was doing this weird uh you got to hear the description of this platformer that that Microsoft had greenlit when he was working at Universal. He's, yeah he's he's had quite an interesting ride so uh, i encourage you to check out unfiltered i guess i'll tr- i'll throw the audio on the end of this episode which i've been doing but i please go check out the video cuz it really looks yeah great the new set looks really yeah it cool. looks looks and really new good and so the new logo looks awesome yeah. we, we even got motion graphics of like mm-hmm. oh it's it's I, a real thing now it's a real thing <laughs> and not just like my little like Backroom garage yeah. pet
2: project you stopped filming it on a camcorder <laughs> yeah, yeah
0: exactly we're on a real camera now not an iPhone so please check that out that's the end of my shameless self-promotion now let's talk about so we got tw- it's, uh, we're t- about 20 something minutes into the show
2: yeah that was a long second.
0: I know we, we, there was a lot of ground to cover with Ghost Recon and poor Miranda and Mark have been sitting there patiently nice. waiting because <laughs> let's talk about something we can all talk about which is the next generation of consoles they're coming they're coming whether next... you want them to or not but basically i mean we are so it's it's october 8th right yep. now we are effectively t minus either 13 months or 12
1: months probably like Ooh. right about yeah. there yeah 12 to 13 months around 13. 13. i
2: imagine november yeah
1: We'll see. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, you, it was PS four was the fifteenth of November
0: and Xbox One was the twenty. Yeah, second. one week later, exactly. Um, so they're coming, and I wanted to talk about these new PS five details from Wired. And if you're wondering why are you bringing that up on an Xbox podcast, it's because I want to talk about them in the context of Xbox and Scarlet and where mm-hmm. we're going here. So uh, Wired got uh, another scoop here from Mark Cerny and the, on PlayStation 5, it was, first of all, they confirmed that it's called the PlayStation 5. Duh. Shocker. <laughs> with a <with the> late <laughs> surprising, 2020. Surprising <laughs> note. Yeah, uh, and that's it. That's it. That's all they got. No, it's, they've got plenty more than that. So the controller for PlayStation 5, presumably will be called the DualShock 5, will have haptic feedback, which Mark Cerny describes as, quote, highly programmable, Uh, voice coil actuators located in the left and right grips of the controller, adaptive triggers that offer different levels of resistance with higher tension for things like pulling a bowstring in a game uh, versus a a machine gun trigger, USB-C charging with a higher capacity battery, uh, and then the weight of the controller is said to be lighter, lighter, than an Xbox One controller that has its batteries in it Mm -hmm. so still which the DualShock 4 now is very light compared Mm -hmm. to the uh, which, I mean, I like the kind of heft. I like a little... I mean, there's too much, but yeah. I, for me, the, I don't know. I, I like the Xbox One controller, but...
3: I think we can all say, probably, I'm assuming, can also we like the Xbox One controller better than the
1: I think it's no, the... No, I hate using the, the DualShock. I think, I think we've I talked it. about this before. Yeah. I think I like so, too. The, like let's let's not go down matter. this road. It's <laughs> fine. Yeah. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, Xbox
0: I, One controller is
1: currently the best controller ever made. I think the Nintendo Pro controller is the best controller Oh, okay. I mean, it's a good controller. It's a good control. The triggers, though, are oh, not yeah. comparable to the Xbox. It's not no. It's not made for shit. Yeah. No. Like right. I
3: have a lot of problems, and a lot of them come <laughs> down to my hands being very small. And so, anyway, mm-hmm. Xbox yeah. is great.
0: So, uh, plus hard, the, the ray tracing that had previously mm-hmm. been confirmed, Mark certainly clarifying that is at the hardware level. That's not mm-hmm. going to be a software trick. That is in the GPU, which is great news. And then on the storage side, 100 gigabyte Blu-ray optical disc. So I think that's the dual layer Blu-ray. I have memories here. And it will, the optical drive, it will have an optical drive that will play 4K Blu-rays, which of course... The yeah, Xbox One S and X have been doing
1: for for years. Yeah, I'd be shocked if that wasn't. A it's thing.
2: it's <laughs> so funny yeah. that we're just we're actually still going to get games on multiple discs. Next generation, yep. anyway, Absolutely. because there are already games over a hundred gigs. Yeah, Gears Five, Gears Five, Forza uh, Seven, and all, yeah.
0: a lot of the big ones now. Game installation from discs is mandatory because of the difference in speed between the consoles. In other words, they're not saying you have to get a disc. It's just installation as it is now. Mm -hmm. You can't just play a game off of a disc, is what that's saying. Um, Installations will now be more customizable, with Cerny saying players could choose just to install a multiplayer mode or allowing you to delete a campaign portion once you've finished it to free up space for other games, which is clever. That's cool. I like that. So, you yeah. know, If you're a Call of Duty, if you're, if you're just into multiplayer in Call of Duty and next fall you don't care about Black Ops 5's campaign, mm-hmm. looks like on PS5 you can choose to just not install the campaign. Yeah,
1: PC's been doing that for a while. To yeah. be able to launch just straight into... Whatever um, you want, yeah. or having just certain things installed, so it's really cool that that's coming. First now, the Dual Shock, now the PC. I know right? you? you're <laughs> no, oh, allegiance is all over the
2: place. Mark's a, a multi platform man,
1: yeah, yeah, man. We love the
0: Renaissance man. Yeah, <laughs> so that's let's fun. talk about this stuff. So with the controller, yeah, the Switch two and a half, almost three years ago, yep. did HD Rumble. Mm-hmm. There we got One Two Switch as a launch game. <laughs> almost nobody else has done anything with hd rumble and now even nintendo the switch Lite, doesn't have hd rumble in it no. yeah. the haptic the haptic feedback stuff that ps5 the dual shock five is going to do xbox has implemented that in day one on mm-hmm. the xbox one controller and six years ago and outside of fort the forza games uh not you can count the number of other games that have used the haptic trigger feedback on one hand. So it's also that's, very
1: telling that in that article they said we got to test out the haptic with GT Sport. So it's like another race, yeah. another racing, you know? <laughs> yeah. acceleration like
3: the Astrobot or something.
0: <laughs> that's uh, what they hacked together for this. Yeah, demo. not sorry, I don't mean hacked together that. in like. No, I'm just
3: saying that they didn't just play racing. Either, yeah,
0: but yeah, uh, I mean, if you've ever played Forza with it, like. It it actually the haptic stuff's really cool. That's my point is that just nobody's used it. It is cool. Mm-hmm. Like when you if you slam on the brakes in Forza, like think about when you slam on the brakes in your car, which is hopefully not often, but you can feel the brakes grab. Yeah. Slamp down, yeah. yeah, right. And you, right. and that's what you get that same sensation mm-hmm. when you slam on the brake with that haptic trigger on, in a Forza game. But um, so yeah, so the the DualShock Five doing these things that that other controllers have done. Uh, the question becomes, and I think it's a key question for the for the implementation of all this stuff. Will Xbox also do these things in its ne- new controller? Because we do know that current controllers on Xbox will be compatible. So how far how far will Microsoft go in in pushing a you know new stuff into the
1: into the Scarlet default controller? Yeah, it's it's hard to know that the the bowstring that stuff seems weird. And breakable. Um, but it's really hard with controllers, right? Because controllers are just so good nowadays. That yeah. it's, it's really hard to be like, here's the new controller and, and just be blown away because. That's the thing. Know. Like with the Elite 2, right? Like mm-hmm. that came out and like, wow, that's a really cool well, controller. It's coming, it's coming well, in. Yeah, one I'm sorry. Month. I'm sorry one
2: feels, month the announcement came great. out. Yeah. 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 Feels, feels really, awesome. really good. But again, like the, the, the step up from the Elite 1 to the Elite 2 was not as big as I thought it was going to mm-hmm. be. Um, so
1: yeah, I think you nailed it on the head, man. Like, I'm also not surprised to see them talk about the controller so much. If anybody remembers the PlayStation reveal from February of 2013, they didn't even show the console at that reveal. They oh, only no. showed the controller. I don't remember. Um, there's a good chance that it's just because the console wasn't ready to be shown. Yeah. But that's where you had the Mark Cerny. Like, even, they were very much just like, "Here's our new controller." I, I don't want to say any of this is like gimmicks. Obviously, HD Rumble like is something that was here and then is gone. But it's like it's pretty funny that it's like. They're talking about devs will be able to do this and they'll be able to do that with the controller, but that kind of thing happened with the touchpad on mm-hmm. the on the DualShock Four, and that got abandoned fairly quickly. It's like, basically just a button. It's, it's just a
2: it's, button. Yeah. it's the select. It's button. it's the exact same as that haptic feedback, right? Like right. you could have done the the variable draw uh, strength on a bow with mm-hmm. the Xbox controller in Tomb Raider. But they didn't, right? So it's, well, it's, u- it's see, up to the developers.
1: Yeah, and you see that stuff at launch. I remember playing like Infamous, and it was like, open this door. It was like sliding the thing. Yeah. In, like, it, it just completely yeah. went away. Uh, the only time you ever see it now is, like, I remember, like, even in Odyssey, is if you open the map and you move the, like, it'll move your map. Oh, I but like, who wants to I didn't do, do that? And then all of a sudden, it weirdly came back in Days Gone, like, to do all the menus with oh. the swipe. But then you figure out it's because Days Gone been in development since, like, 2014. <laughs> <Yeah. So. laughs> it's, it's also a one. first party.
3: Someone, someone's got to use it first party, right? Right. Yeah. And it's first and, party. And
2: I imagine, like, a lot of your launch tiles, the mandates for what? Tiles? <clears throat> launch yeah. titles. The mandates for, you know... It'll be if, like, please use... Yeah, it's like, also, hey, it's like, hey, we're really trying to showcase this.
3: A lot yeah. of big multi-platform games they can't do that because like, yeah. how are we going to translate to, that, to Xbox mm-hmm.
2: or PC? Yeah. You don't.
1: Yeah. That's a great point. I'm very excited for USB-C. That's very cool. I'm glad because uh, I like the broken control- – I I like chargers that you don't have to you it doesn't matter what way you plug it in, like the, the lightning port. There is yeah. no upside down. Exactly. We're moving further away from USB. <laughs> yes. Cause it's like even still, it's like you plug in a, a PS4 and Xbox controller and I always feel like I'm breaking it if and you're like, wait, am I doing to, this the right to this, way? And you're like, okay. To no.
0: this day, if I if I plug in a USB Cable Micro, the yeah. the right way the right way in the first time and don't have to flip it over. Right. I feel like I've won the lottery. Like, <laughs> the rest of your day just, is smooth sailing.
2: So I, actually, I just
3: like that I, charges faster.
2: I threw something. one yeah. away yesterday because it broke in my Xbox One controller.
1: Oh my really? god! Yeah,
2: it's just I it had been sitting on my desk um with the thing plugged into it, um the dongle, and then I guess it was just had pressure applied on it on one side. So when I pulled it out, it was it was like at an angle mm. and yeah. it, it stopped charging. Which is why well, I asked you if I could borrow yours yesterday. Have they
1: confirmed Scarlet's controller is going to be USB C? Like you almost have to not that it's not that going.
2: particular
0: detail, yeah. but um, but that you, you get you're getting towards what I wanted to kind of talk about here oh, was more. you know we we know that the Elite Series Two is coming in one month and it is going to be compatible with the Scarlet, mm-hmm. so you have to figure the whatever the pack in controller standard controller is for Scarlet. Well, it's not going to be Elite Series Two good because they're not going to just turn around and do an Elite Series Three in a in a year from now. Mm-hmm. I don't think. No, I took this so mm-hmm.
3: long to get this one. Right.
0: So you know, it's going to be some level below the Elite Series Two, I would imagine. But so that's what's leading me to call into question. Like, I wonder if it's if the the Scarlet controller will have the stuff that Sony's doing, or if it's going to be more or less just a a, a maybe a slight ergonomic. Iteration on what well, we have now.
2: Going down the list, is there anything in the Dual Shock, the upcoming Dual Shock, that isn't covered by the Elite? Because I have to imagine. Does the
1: elite that, have a speaker? Like, because so that's,
2: that's not like Xbox no, thing, right? That's the only thing that I think the Dual oh, Shock does speakers. particularly better than the Xbox One is Wait, include you, that speaker. You
3: guys like the speaker on your Dual Shock?
2: Yeah. Oh, I can oh, turn no. that off. I don't, yeah, I don't Dude, turn it off. I think it's, I think it's when seriously. it's used really well, I think when it's used really well in a game, like it is amazing. Like PT. That's I think the terrifying. the only in, the one it's,
0: interesting mm-hmm. implementation of it I've seen is uh, memory serves in GTA five, It. Uh, the police radio will, uh, will come the scanner. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll pipe out over that. Like I think if you're, if you're, if you've uh, hijacked a, a, a squad car, I think the, I don't remember. that. It, it's
3: interesting. I just forget about it. And there's no notifications like, Hey, this is going to make these noises. Yeah. yeah. So you know. <laughs> and then is, like, I'm that. playing in the dark and it's quiet. And, and there's like this noise. Like, <laughs> like, My,
1: mine's turned off. Cause I remember <laughs> I was playing something. There. I don't remember what it was. And all of a sudden, like my desk mate, uh, Pat, like oh. tapped me on the shoulder, and he was like, "Hey, your controller's, like doing some crazy." Heard, and I was like, heard, oh, I didn't even. Yeah. Know. I've
3: heard that from Janet too. I'm just like, "Hey, Janet, your controller's a little
1: yeah." Loud. Well, and it's the same thing at home. Like, uh, my wife said, "You." Five feet from me. Mm. And so if she's watching TV and I'm just sitting there with the headphones on playing a game, and she's like, right, you know, there's <laughs> that's straining, the baby's gonna cry. I know. I'm weird. excited. I'm excited <laughs> so like, to hear the baby. I'll put it on just to hear it, BB. but for the most part, it's like, yeah. Uh, yeah,
2: I, I think, I think like a, a third speaker, right? If you imagine left, right, and then the one on your controller. You can do all kinds of really cool yeah, the stuff. The speaker it. thing's fine. Yeah, um, I would like. I would like to see it on the next.
3: In the Wired report, there was the thing about a microphone potentially in the controller. It was unconfirmed, but there was right. a hole that looked like it was a microphone.
2: Yeah, I just mm-hmm. want the thirty-five millimeter. Just continue to. Use.
1: Oh, right. Oh, right. oh 3.5. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, 3.5 millimeter. 30. The
3: headphone yeah.
2: jack.
1: <laughs> I just want to jam it yeah, in the, there. The, the, but um, the fact that you can just plug a headphone jack into a controller. The, like, Xbox. Well, you can do that on the Xbox. That, the right. Yeah. Yeah. But not the first gen. And right. then they were like, that so that's, is a yeah, great idea. So <laughs> that's running. the thing. It's like, a, you had that to buy that adapter. One
0: of many mistakes from
1: the Xbox
0: One launch era was having the proprietary. But most people
1: don't even remember it. Like, they rectified that. Quick, pretty quickly pretty right quickly yeah. <laughs> but
0: yeah so that's the thing it's uh, you know the now the elite series 1 did have and i guess the series 2 it does have the adjustable triggers where you <laughs> yeah. can set like yeah. hair the, trigger the versus yeah. full press really great for, but i don't think it can do i guess and i think i think haptic does allow for the tension as well so i mean I, if if the default Scarlet controller is going to match the DualShock Five. It's going to have to borrow some stuff from the hundred and eighty-dollar sure. mm-hmm. uh, uh, Elite Series 2. So that's what I'm curious of is is uh, what you know how much of an upgrade is the Scarlet controller going to be off of the forward-compatible Xbox One controllers right. that we that we already have. I mean, it it is a great controller, and the thing is, if they don't implement Similar or identical stuff that DualShock Five is doing, we can probably again, just like this generation, count on very few games and almost no third-party games mm-hmm. implementing any of the uh, any of those features. So it's feel like it's either Sony and Microsoft both have to do it, or else nobody gamers will not really benefit on a on a wide. It sounds kind of
1: nuts. It makes me wonder if controllers are going to stay sixty five dollars. No way. Like they're they're sounding.
0: The the Pro Controller 70. A, every mm-hmm. generation, the controllers have gone up in price. The, yeah. um, the 360 controllers were 50 bucks. Mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. Xbox One controllers were 60 bucks. And I have zero doubt that DualShock 5 and whatever Scarlet's controller are going to be 70 bucks. Where the Pro Controller is. And to be to be fair, they are, they are better every generation. Sure. They have more <laughs> and more stuff. Like if you compare a an Xbox One controller to a 360, like you can. See oh, and yeah. feel a, a, a difference.
2: What's the launch date on the Elite Two? It's, uh, November
0: fourth. Okay, I just looked this up today. Yeah, so, so
2: so you you essentially are getting the Elite Two a year before Next Gen comes out. Yes, roughly. Part of me wonders if we should spare a thought for the idea that they just continue to move forward with their basic standard level Xbox One controller and then let the Elite Two be what it is. Because I, if you buy an Elite Two in November and an Xbox Two or an Xbox in November 2020, like how much life are you getting out of that before you have another controller that I you're
0: mean, using? that's a fair question. Although I would say that the power users that are going to be spending $180 like us probably don't care. Are going to, yeah. yeah, are not going to be that's bothered by I that. I have so
3: many games to play in between now really and then that I would rather have that. <laughs> so yeah.
0: Hardware. I don't. Know, I've,
3: since I've been using my Elite, like I don't like using other controllers. I'm with you. I love my Elite so Even much.
0: Even my the A button on my Elite yeah. is like not great anymore. Like it's sort of <laughs> sticky, but I still like. I just don't. I will just keep using it because yeah. I'd like it so much more than the regular controller. We're, we're
1: definitely in the phase where Whoa. hardware is going to start being like kind of strange. I've had a few people. You were one of them. Are you getting that Death Stranding PS4 and, <laughs> and there's a Last of Us PS4? I, I assume and. And like things are gonna come out, and it's like it's always gonna be weird. Now that these like basically have release dates, and so it's like the same with like controllers, and it's like, do I want to? Because I'm the same way. Like my DualShock Four is filling, kind of like it's doing the same where when I when I click it, it feels squishy. Yeah, and I'm like, I think I need to just go buy a new one. And unless there's like a good Black Friday deal or something, because yeah. I can wait till late. There usually is. Uh, which there usually is. Um, it's kind of like, man, what's the What's the point? Like it's, yeah. it's already getting. I, I know a year is a long time. Like, unless
3: you're a big collector or something, like getting these, these especially these elite editions and just yeah. nicer upgrades for, or like special models of consoles like it's just weird right now
2: yeah. yeah i mean they they move from a functional sort of piece of technology to a collector's, collector's item a collector's yeah. item yeah. That you show well, off and
1: i i t- fully intend on selling like i have an xbox one x i have a ps i have two ps4s and my intention is to just sell everything because everything should be backwards compatible mm-hmm. should be uh, yeah and okay. so and i have to buy so two much, of everything. So much stuff. Yeah. <laughs> two yeah, of everything. I
3: don't, I don't, so we were talking this before the show, but as it stands right now, like I have zero incentive to buy the PS5 at launch other than for work purposes. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I think I'm probably going to hold off because I'm obviously going to play all my third-party stuff on the Xbox or on PC. So, I don't really have a reason at this point to like jump on the PS5. And of course, we're still early in this
4: whole. Yeah, yeah we didn't even cycle.
2: know any of the launch we titles. Don't it goes know without anything, saying that we don't know what the lineup's
3: going to be. But look also like. we were saying it's like I don't have anything that I can think of off the top of my head as far as Sony IPs go that would entice me to buy at launch anyway right.
2: you, you'll likely get you know, La- i
3: obviously on the show but you know <laughs> you'll
2: likely get the last of us 2 uh game of the year edition you'll mm-hmm. get ghost of tsushima cross generational version i imagine if it launches as well good chance um well, and then you're looking forward to like like we were saying spider-man 2 and down the road
3: we're at this weird point with sony though where a lot of their bigger games are already out like yeah. the ones that they're hyping the ones we were sure. excited for they're out or they're out early next year mm-hmm. so this is which is exciting for us, because now it's like Microsoft's turn in the spotlight, because yeah. like, we've got all this cool stuff coming out, and I'm very excited for it, and I'm just-
0: Yeah, and that's, you know, we'll, we'll be, well, obviously we're going to talk so much more about launch lineups over the coming year, oh, but- sure. But yeah, we, that's what we were saying, it's like, you know, trying to f- piece together, like, all right, well, what might the PS5 launch lineup look like? And we, we figure both of these consoles are almost certainly going to be at least $500, <laughs> so- I personally yeah. am only probably – because I also need to get a 4K – I need. I want to – really, really want to get a 4K TV. Me too. But, and I want to – you know, I don't want to just get like the $300 mm-hmm. – Sure. Like I, I mean, I, it's you know, a good investment. I'm, right. I wanna, I'm going to have to mount it on the wall. Like I want to get yeah. a nice one that's going to last. Like I've had my current Panasonic Plasma for eight – like this entire generation, yeah, and I've, it's been great. So, you know, I want to – I'm probably only going to do one console at launch. And for me, it's going to be Xbox and not just – because – a few reasons one if there's any power discrepancy at all this time between the two of them my my money is on the xbox being slightly more powerful because i think microsoft is just determined not to lose that lose battle that kind of ever again yeah. Yeah. uh so th- there's that number one number two the software the, the, the launch title, we know for a fact halo infinite is a day one launch title mm-hmm. and if it's amazing which we all want it to be and what they've shown so far looks great then you know for the people that will come into next holiday on the fence like all right I think I want to upgrade to one of these which one should I go with like you know because hey people went from ps2 to largely 360 and then people a lot of people went you know again kind of in the mass from 360 to ps4 Mm -hmm. so it's like all right so this time You've got that choice. If they're the same price, they're pretty similar power. Halo is a potentially system awesome seller. system yeah. selling day one game that that Sony's. I mean, the, <clears throat> we're struggling to figure out what day one launch killer kind of game they might have. So there's a major potential plus Game Pass, which we've talked about ad nauseum. Yeah. Unless Sony, I mean, they they sh- they damn well should. If it's if they're smart, announce something similar to launch into PS5, if not sooner. But Game Pass and Halo Infinite is a and 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 the pro and hopefully probably the horsepower parity or advantage is going to be a uh, making a pretty nice case for Microsoft come fall 2020. Mm-hmm.
2: I actually saw a commercial. I think it was during Sunday football, one of the games. Or PlayStation Now, which I hadn't seen in a long yeah. time.
1: That's because they just changed it a bunch. Did they that's really right. They're trying to yeah, push cheaper. it. They changed the yeah. price. Well, yeah, okay. So th- that's actually true. They just changed the price. The only other change is that they put a bunch of other games on. They added yeah. some it's not games
3: that will be on there temporarily. Yeah. <laughs> okay.
1: So,
2: yeah. Yeah.
3: That's, anyway. That
1: was my biggest quote. We have a huge Slack there going on. It was like questions we want answered from just because PlayStation 5 day. And I was like... I was like, they they really got to figure out this, like, answer to Game Pass yeah. eventually. PlayStation Now, still not it. Like, even though it's only $10, it's $10 for, like, yeah, you get God of War and, and Uncharted, but, like, that's only till January, and it's yeah. not day and date. Like, I, I was scrolling through the comments earlier for the PS5 announcement, and people were saying that it's, like, I, I was reminded that, like, Outer Worlds is, like, a Game Pass launch title. Launching I'm right like, into oh, Game Oh, man, man, I totally forgot it's about that. so good. I totally forgot that, like, I don't have to buy Outer Worlds. Like, I just yeah. I played on Game Pass.
2: Well, what's crazy is it's not just, like, it's third party stuff as well. I mean, Outer Worlds is a third party game, yeah, technically. Sort of, yeah. Uh, well, like Outer,
1: Outer Wilds, I mean, just just out, a sense of theme. That was that was launch as well.
2: Yeah, but like Metal, Metal okay. Gear Five, like they're, they're, is on there now, and that's my first um, interaction with it. So there's a ton of stuff on there, and when you say they got to figure out like what their answer to that is going to be, yeah. I almost feel like Game Pass was created to not
1: really have an answer to it without just spending a ton of money right without playstation just being like okay fine we're doing the same thing and all of our first party games are and
2: that's the thing is like microsoft's got a (laughs) shitload of money to spend on on you know acquisitions and uh you know
0: that you're always the one that curses every time
2: (laughs) (laughs) it's always you you just said damn "Damn." (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) call the fcc well (laughs) <laughs> apparently i uh one slipped through in a review uh in, in the ghost recon review in progress i used the s word i'm not i'm actually a little <laughs> that's barely a curse word uh and dan was like no we're gonna leave it <laughs> in because be- times are a- changing
0: so. <laughs> yeah. but um i can oh picture dan so that. so <laughs> other, other for as far as other stuff where we're sort of looking at what now we know ps5 is doing and what we know scarlet's doing <clears throat> um we don't know if presumably will be the same hundred gig discs. I mean, I think they're just going to have to be, cause they're going to be running the same games, the same yeah. caliber of games, but we are, we already know they're both the Scarlet's also, they're both doing the, you know, minimize or eliminate loading times thing. So they're both doing that. They're both doing the hardware level ray tracing. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, these are going to be, this gonna be two some really consoles. fun consoles
1: yeah. to,
2: uh, to see what they're capable of. I can't wait for the reveal events.
1: Yeah, yeah, Me too. Yeah. Me too. I and mean, Those I do not think that they, we have long to wait. Like, no, I, I think those I are going to be Early February, March. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was they're f- going to be before E three, so that way when they get to E
0: three, they can talk about video games. Right. It was February twenty thirteen for mm-hmm. PS four. Microsoft waited until May. Yeah. And there is no way they're going to no. they're going to let Sony have uh, the the all the. Mind share and discussion for three months again. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I suspect the, those two events will happen it's, relatively it's, close it's to each of- other.
2: Now, is this would we consider today's news the reveal of the PS5? No, you think? No, <clears throat> I wouldn't. I wonder when Xbox the next the next Xbox is going to be. Officially, sort of revealed like this because, like you said, they don't want like to... like this or officially uh, like
1: this. Oh, like this it's more. Like more they don't,
3: some tiny bits of information.
2: Yeah, they don't want to lose the news cycle to, to PS Five, and and this is the second time it's happened. Well, keep that in this, mind.
1: This is like a release date reveal. Sure, uh, the other which one, one was like the like, hey, this is a thing, right? Which whatever, <laughs> and and then a name reveal, and it loads like, so much faster. But we've yeah. just spent twenty
2: minutes talking about the PlayStation Five on an Xbox podcast. Well, again, yeah. in the yeah. context of the next. Xbox, but like moving forward, as more of these little tidbits of information come out, like the news cycle picks them up.
0: Well, we do, I mean, we've got XO 19 coming up in a month and change. That could be a you know a good opportunity for them to
1: to grab some of the what else those would they headlines? have what, what would they be able to what's a headline for them? They've already revealed like well, a mean, name, I guess, but the like, name. they've already revealed the release controllers, they can talk about,
3: they can talk about yeah, they, yeah.
1: other that's, optics. Like there's like, great
3: so many little details. It's, that's what that's what yeah. PlayStation's doing right now. Like yeah. they mm-hmm. talked about, yes, is coming. <laughs> Here are some hardware details. <laughs> it
2: exists. This that's is that's it. Released. Yeah. And then this time drip-y. it's like, well yes, it, it is called the
3: PlayStation 5. We have a controller. (laughs) We're not naming it yet. It doesn't have a name, guys. It really doesn't. Um, (laughs) But it has these rumble features and stuff. It's just like a trickle, right? It's just like Mm -hmm. these small things. It's not the big reveal, but it's enough to get
0: get us talking breaking sure. news the scarlet won't even have a controller you'll control it with your mind please, <laughs> please. zero input it plugs right in yeah zero and there's input an lag. input sure there's no I'll lag. Take it. competitive <laughs> players will have to play on xbox because their brain is faster than a than a dualshock uh, mine's <laughs> not <laughs> <laughs> all um, right uh all right that's everything so yeah boy we're already short on time so let's do uh yeah i just want to definitely want to cover this doom eternal one of the big fall games was due out November 22nd has been pushed back mm-hmm. to about 4 months to March 20th mm-hmm. It's software saying they they want to take some more time to pretty to to polish this one up which again i know this is just a broken record but great you know there's cool. no problem here.
3: I have a problem. You have a problem? I
0: don't think it's a biggie I manage here. manage wikis. That's <laughs> no, that's
2: fair. Yeah. But what is this year? Well, well, well the I, thing
3: is is we're about to go over the list, but like next winter like early spring is just packed. But yes, yeah, I was, I was, I was
1: talking up. earlier and I was like, man, I was really wanting doom this year because this fall is not as packed so, as writing is. It's not
3: only that, but also like we were just talking about like console reveal stuff. That's going to happen earlier. Yeah, we're going to have more yeah. news. We're going to have so much to do early next year, the, which I think is great for everybody except for us.
0: The first <laughs> half of 2020 is going to be incredible. Yeah. Probably if these games h- deliver, which on their potential, Miranda, what, what is the the what is the, the release cadence? What are we looking at here? So
3: for what we have written down right now, um, for PS4 is February we got The Last of Us 2 uh, but we also have Ori 2 in
0: yes theory, which is very That's exciting a major Xbox release yep. absolutely
2: first what's, party what's great are those games are different enough yes. to not have to oh I'll be playing
0: both a yeah, lot of
2: competition sure. between yeah. the two as one or the other
3: yeah, yeah. Um, and then March, we have Doom, which we moved to. Uh, technically, Animal Crossing as well. Very different. Yes. Uh, and then Watch Dogs Legion. And then April, we have Cyberpunk, which will consume all of our lives, I'm yep. sure. <laughs> and then Avengers is in May. So
1: I think this You're is really missing Final Fantasy Seven is in there. Yeah, well, again, Xbox we- show. I, I gave, I gave him one. No,
0: we're, we're kind like, we <laughs> I mean, of like... It's a
2: remake of a 20-year-old game. Sure. No, sure. It's sure. a remake of episode one of a 20-year-old game. <laughs> <laughs> of the first 20%. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
3: Where's Nanaki, anyway? I
0: know it'll be a big deal, but for the purposes <laughs> yeah. of this discussion... Yeah,
3: I mean, well, the reason we bring up so much PlayStation stuff is because we obviously all care about multi-platform of stuff. Of course. Like, we play all the things, but Xbox is number one for
0: us. Of course. where we play. Our, our, so yeah, I mean, between you've you've got at least one huge game every month. Yeah. Mm-hmm. From February to May, now, you know, January I, I did look at the list. January there are a few games coming out, but nothing like blockbuster. Nothing on on this caliber. Where's Oblitz? They're right down the. Str- go ask Go ask Greg question. Rice down at Double
1: Fine. Do, Doom not, is yeah, weird because. Oh, no, but never mind. <laughs> I don't... <laughs> I'm not sure. Doom is weird because that was a big Stadia thing. Yeah. And now Stadia yeah, oh, is right. going to be out in November with no Doom. Not... Yeah. Well, uh. they'll have Doom 2016. Sure. There you go. And Red Dead on... Uh, Red Dead 2. <laughs> yeah.
2: With, every time that I've, like, sort of set up an appointment to see Stadia, it's always been running Doom Eternal or, like, an early version mm-hmm. of it to really show off, like, how... How great the connection is to support this yeah. fast, frenetic kind of gameplay. Um, so yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see like if the uh, if the preview marketing for like play Doom on your Stadia was enough to get people to adopt it, and then now they're waiting until March to
1: to actually play to it. actually do it. Yeah, yeah,
0: I mean, let me just remind Xbox fans of what you still have to to deal with uh, even without Doom this fall. Uh, if you haven't played Gears Five yet, you should. Play it's fantastic. Gears 5 uh there's star wars jedi fallen order which is november 15th what was going to be the week before mm-hmm. uh doom eternal there's the outer worlds launching into game pass that's the towards 20, the end of october 25th. i believe
3: it's in a few weeks
0: yeah, yeah. uh call of duty modern warfare uh which i'm super stoked for the campaign i'm for the first time in a number of years i want to see what's and I've, you know? So
3: I've been playing Crucible in Destiny 2. Yeah, I hate it. <laughs> I hate it so much, and I'm just like, please, I'm ready for Call of Duty.
2: <laughs> here it's, it's ready. Miranda's oh, ready. It's so bad. It's a good thing Destin's not here today. Yeah, oh, he, no, I could
3: I could tell him what. so many. If he doesn't agree with me, there's so many bad things about it.
0: Really, it's, Destin yeah. just had a heart palpitation somewhere. I, I, His ears like are tingling.
3: I, I I greatly like Destiny 2. Crucible's bad. Anyway.
0: Anyway, right. so yeah, you, you've got plenty of things. Uh so yeah, of the, the games I just mentioned, all of them but yeah, I think what three of them that I mentioned were all Game Pass games.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh yeah, Jedi Fallen Order is EA access, not not uh Game Pass. Yeah. So, but yeah, you could just jump right into to Gears, jump right into um Outer Worlds and yeah, it's uh you got you got plenty to keep you covered this yeah. fall, yeah.
3: Also Outer Wilds. which has been out
0: been out. Play. Game Pass. Mm-hmm.
3: Going to keep saying it. <laughs>
0: so, All right, uh, we're uh, we're running out of time. Before, we, I know we're yeah.
3: out of time. I'm sorry, to cut you off.
0: Please go you ahead. You
3: had this uh, October 2019 Xbox update feature
0: list. I did. I, <laughs> so I was gonna I was gonna hit that.
3: Okay, perfect. Before we I go was, ahead.
0: Yeah, I was I was gonna cut the rest.
3: Okay, and, perfect. Yes, please
0: yeah. take I it had away. A segue. Please take it away, Miranda. Uh, yeah. So
3: there's this great new feature coming where you can recommend recommend an Xbox Game Pass title, and hmm. so for anyone oh, who's on my cool. friends list. Or in the community that I'm in, be ready to be spanned with Outer Wilds recommendations. <laughs> there <laughs> so, it is. That was just Look, in case. I told to you
2: I'm going to play yeah. it eventually.
3: You got to do it. I guys. know.
2: I, I, ev- everything everyone's saying about it, it sounds great. But I'm
3: ready to be like hated for this. I just need you guys to play <laughs> it. Please. You're
0: you're di- you're going to die on this hill.
3: I will. People keep t- like tweeting to me, and they're like, "Oh, I'm so glad that you recommended this because I played and I had a great time." Yeah.
0: Hey, I'm I I I'm promise. with you. I'm the guy that was championing inside for the last three years. So I'm, I'm a hundred percent.
3: We champion these games for a reason. Yeah. Yeah, It's not just because I kind of like it.
0: Well, Miranda, what are, so we got an October Xbox dashboard update. Uh, that's not the only new feature coming. There were, I think a couple of other, in fact, this first one as a dad, uh, really appeals to me. Mm -hmm. If you want to go over the the rest of these.
3: Uh, so the first one, you can limit your time with family settings for apps and games. Um, which Rather
0: is, than just the system itself. Yes. Yeah.
3: So specifically, it's like, okay, well, you can only play an hour of this online thing, but you can have two hours with this puzzle game.
2: With or Outer Wilds? Yeah. <laughs> One hour of <laughs> like Fortnite, two hours of Outer Wilds. <laughs>
3: infinite time with Outer Wilds. I'm giving you all permission right now. Your parents can come talk to me. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. Gonna, <laughs> I'll talk to parents. It's fine. Right. An adult. I
2: can't wait to see your Twitter notifications.
3: <laughs> They're usually fine. <laughs> Uh you can also have wish list notifications. So you can receive notifications as it kind of is implied, uh whenever something that you have added to your wish list goes on sale.
2: That's mm-hmm. see, I like that. That's, That's cool. Yeah, cool. I like, have
3: those with Steam, with it's Steam, very helpful. Yeah. It's like, oh I've really wanted to play this for a while, but I kind of just needed to wait on it. So now you need that.
2: It's be it's the feature for those games that are like, oh, wait till it's on sale. Yeah. And now you don't mm-hmm. have to obsessively check.
3: And then, of course, um, again, recommend the Xbox Game Pass. And there's so many games on Games Pass. Please recommend them to people who don't know what else to play.
0: Yeah, stuff. And then uh, some mixer viewing improvements as well. So, yeah, more continual improvements to the Xbox dashboard, the Xbox ecosystem. Again, I I know, you know, not to beat the dead horse, but just look look how far we're, we're six years into this generation. Look how much, I mean, it's night and day what the Xbox One entire experience from the from the box to the controller to the dashboard to the head <laughs> headset accessories to what it was six years ago to what it is now on the same console, same same platform. I and mean, it is it is just remarkable the the turnaround. What are you I'm not talking to Siri, what is she doing? Um <laughs> We've come a long, long way with within a single console generation
2: on Xbox. They did the, they did exactly what they needed to do. They lost pretty quickly out of the gate, and they realized there wasn't a whole lot they could do to catch up this gen. So they built out an ecosystem that now. Phil so, Spencer rode in on a horse. He's like just a big white horse, got you guys. Bill in armor and just actually <laughs> it, it was
0: more of just tying. Uh, Hog tying Don Matrick, throwing him in the trunk of the car, <laughs> oh, I don't know uh, and then just putting putting a a a, a rod down uh, on the gas pedal, sl- closing the door and just sending it off a cliff. Maybe we really...
2: shouldn't make that <laughs> joke because <laughs> no one knows where he is.
0: <laughs> he's rich as hell in Canada. he's somewhere fine. yeah <laughs> he's, he's just rich. I, I I wish I had the exact number in front of me, but I remember reading oh he's the a golden the golden parachute, parachute yeah. number he got for leaving Zynga was. Oh, absurd. Right, right. I mean, it I was like, that. and he was already a wealthy guy. Like, and not that he hasn't, or he's done, you know, he's been an executive for a long time, but like, wow, that guy, that guy got paid to go away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Must be nice. How do I attain <laughs> that? Like, <laughs> just, just, you, say, I say like, just <laughs> where they will pay me an absorbent amount of money to go away. Is that an option? I don't know. Is it? I don't know. how
3: do you get
0: anyway. that gig? So many, uh, all right, we so so can cover. That we can cover the rest uh, next week. It is, uh, yeah, it's after one. Let's see. I guess we're while we're all it. here, suck it, Destin. Sorry, buddy. Do let's it? let's do trivia real right. fast because yeah. we're we're running out of uh, opportunities this year mm-hmm. to do a little trivia. And so, uh, in fact, here well, let's do let's do a little of this. Gotta get the the bumper in there. Never play the. I don't play the bumpers enough. Yeah, we're still on camera, so uh, <laughs> yeah, it's all good. Well, listen, uh, Brett Yamada writes in and asks. As you probably know, when you encounter a flipped vehicle mm-hmm. in the Halo franchise, you're presented with a message of "Hold X to flip whatever the vehicle's name is." Halo Three. If you guys remember, the mm-hmm. elephant, the largest vehicle, the largest user-operatable vehicle to ever be in the Halo universe thus far. Uh, had a, If you managed to flip it, there was a particularly <laughs> special Easter egg message in there. Do you recall that message? Was it A, hold X to flip, wait, what? How did you do that? Mm-hmm. Was it hold X to flip, huh? That's impossible? Was it, yeah, good luck with that, or... Well, it looks like you broke the game. <laughs> I don't know if anybody remembers this or I wants do, to take a I shot. I do, because
2: it was on the sand level.
3: Yes. Yeah, I remember the level, but I never yeah, flipped
2: it. I, I So I've actually seen this before. I remember encountering this, and I cannot remember what you it said. You flipped it? it did, like, I didn't do it on purpose, but it, yeah, I ran up to a flipped one. How <laughs> did you do that? I don't know. Someone probably shot me real good. Um,
1: <laughs> as it happens. Brandon? As it, as it happens.
2: I'm going to go with A, because I, with a. I, think, I think it was A. It was either, no, I'm not going to give anyone.
1: All right. So, I was going to go with A because I think it's funny. Okay. I like that one the best. Yeah. Are
2: you going to go with Brandon yeah. on this one?
3: I really hate this. So my deduction is a little different. Um, nothing's impossible for the chief. You could say, yeah, good luck with that, but it's the chief. You
0: It's
2: impossible him. That's for rude. the chief. That's,
3: so I think, and D doesn't feel very in line with how they write. So I was going to go with A as yeah. well.
0: Okay. So everybody's united in A uh, and Destin is not here. So that works to your guys' advantage, because you are all correct. Yes. Well done. Oh. Miranda okay. at eight points Yay, to I'm Destin's good. 10. Hang there. Brandon at five. Wow, God, I've missed so around. many shows yeah. this year. <laughs> Mark at three.
3: Please just cheer me on. Give me your points.
0: I almost <laughs> I can't Brandon. do that. I you tried to do
2: that last year. And it, didn't work. it doesn't
0: uh, work. Guys. Brett, thank you very much for that question. If you have a great question. an yeah. Xbox trivia question for the panel, you'd like to try and stump them, please send it to me at unlocked at ign.com put the question in there the four multiple choice answers and please note the correct one in your email as well and that brings us to the end of another good hopefully good episode i had fun episode of podcast unlocked palindromatic episode 414 Uh, you can find me on twitter at dmc underscore ryan i gave you my shameless promotion at the top please check out unfiltered i'm very proud of it i will uh as, as long as i don't Forget which I can't rule out. I'll put the audio at the end of this, but please, please go check out the video. It looks really fun. Looks really good. You can watch Sean and I drink and and me attempt to bartend.
1: It didn't really go well. <laughs> to like pour to pour. Yeah, it didn't didn't go great. Oh no, uh, Mark. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. You can find me at Wendy's. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Still not, not this Wendy's. Mark. <laughs> no, nothing to promote because it's uh, it's. Without being able to say why, it's it's this is my last week where I'm not gonna have to work 24-7 for like month straight. So I'm just chilling right now. Good for just you. Just chilling. Yep. Hanging out. Calm before the storm. That's over on Monday. <laughs> Party's over.
2: Party's over.
0: <laughs> or
1: the party begins. The party begins.
2: <laughs> Brandon. Uh yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Brandon Tyrell. Um stay tuned tomorrow for my full scored. Ghost Recon Breakpoint Review. My brain just stopped working at some point. Uh, Also, uh, all month long, Ryan and I have been putting up IGN First, uh, just sort of a compilation month where we're highlighting cool games we think you should keep your eye on. So today was an awesome little horror adventure game called Mosaic, but we've Mm -hmm. touched on some Kerbal Space Program stuff, and I can't remember if it's published yet or if it's upcoming, so I'm just going to stop talking. (laughs) Fair enough. Um, But yeah, check out IGN First all month long.
0: Miranda, take us home.
3: All right. You can follow me at Havoc Grows and it's Havoc with a K kind of anywhere. Um, I don't really have a lot to promote at this moment, so just kind of finishing up some old stuff that hopefully goes up soon. Uh, Definitely check it out Unfiltered, so I will promote that for Ryan again. I'm I'm just the person that repeats things that you should be watching. (laughs) Again, going back to that rule of seven we were talking about on the spoiler cast, (laughs) but watch Unfiltered.
0: Fantastic. All right. Thank you, everybody, and we will see you next week. What's happening, friends? Welcome to another episode of IGN Unfiltered. It is our monthly interview series where I have the great privilege of sitting down with the best, brightest, most interesting minds in the games industry, uh, except this month I'm standing with, <laughs> and I'll explain in a moment, hang on, although you probably already figured it out if you're watching on video. Uh, Sean Crankel is my guest. He is the co-founder of Night School Studios, and if you're going, I kind of know, that name sounds vaguely familiar, this will do it for you. Oxenfree. That was your breakout game from a few years ago. Just fantastic adventure game. Thank you. Teenagers, adventure, death. Possession. It's, it's all kinds of Party. stuff going on. Um, and, and you've, you've uh, followed that up now with After Party, which is out October 29th. Yes. On pretty expect. much every platform, uh, mostly to start. The Switch version will come later. So we'll get to all that. You're not here for your health. We are promoting a new video game. <laughs> But uh, before we get started, first of all, Sean, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for coming. Thank you so Uh, much. You're my guinea pig. So I I thank you for that because you might notice if you're watching on video, if you're listening on audio, please check out the video this month because we're in our new uh, bar Arcade I don't. Th- I think I legally can't say Barcade I think somebody owns that That's like a trademark thing Ridiculous. It might have just gotten bleep right now I'm not sure But yeah we're here We've got our, our uh, setup. We've got some cool set dressing Which I think maybe one of the shots will pick up We've And then a functioning tap uh, cheers, cheers my friend Yeah this is so I'm not good at,
4: at I Don't lie this is your basement We're in his basement Yeah so you
0: got a, a functioning This is a mm. It's a Pilsner of some sort
4: I like it I'll take
0: more it's solid. So um, the goal is not to get you drunk, but if you end up that way and, and tell a bunch of crazy industry stories, yeah, well, that that'll happens. only make the show better. So, you know, feel free is, I guess, all it's I'm saying. It's a normal thing. To say. <laughs> no. Just pretend it's GDC or E3. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Anyway, uh, let's, enough of me. Let's get back to you. You're the star. You're the reason we're here. Uh, Sean, so uh oxen free was awesome after parties looking great i got to play it uh, around e3 time it's out october 29th pc away. ps4 xbox one and xbox game pass that's right so that's uh, that's good if you're a game pass subscriber just play it you just get it I'll just be there but i always like to start at the beginning we're gonna we're gonna go back in time take me back in your brain what were some of your favorite games growing up? I want to figure out how we got go to where back. you are. Yeah, let the top way of the Wayback back
4: Machine. We're going to go pre-Super Nintendo. Good. We're going to go pre-NES. Oh, okay.
0: I'm you don't look that old. No, you don't
4: look that old. I'm older than you think. <laughs> um, we're going to go wood-paneled Atari 2600. Real Really? We're going to go probably that bad Spider-Man game. You remember the Spider-Man game? No.
0: See, NES is my my jumping off point. point. Okay, so my dad
4: got us uh, an Atari 2600, and all I remember was that. Also, it was a horrible Pac-Man game. It was like the worst (laughs) port of all time. But Spider-Man, you just had like a single color building, and then you Mm -hmm. shot like a massive uh, uh, pixel-wide web up the side of the screen, and then you just fell over and over and over again. So that's (laughs) how I fell in love with games. Um, But then... Yeah, probably Mario 3. I mean, all of mine are going to sound like everybody else's. Super That's Mario okay, 3 though. is just... It's, it's your story. So great. But then a lot of the, you know, like the LucasArts stuff is is massive. I was going <laughs> to ask you about that, yeah. Yeah, so Day of the Tentacle in particular, although Sam and Max, Maniac Mansion. I played Maniac Mansion on NES. I didn't play it on yeah. PC, yeah. which was just a slog. Have you played that recently? Have you tried uh, it? No, with a, not with not a in d-pad? a little while, yeah. It's brutal. I mean, you could still microwave the <laughs> hamster, but it's its rough. Uh, but yeah, the—the the, uh, I would say definitely um you know like like all of those that i mentioned but my favorite of all time link to the past i've probably played link to the past i don't know 30 times that's a solid like answer it. so
0: good we perfection. got links awakening out now so yeah that's you yeah. know that's uh, I can't you can't beat that. that yeah it's good good times but all right so you've been gaming since you were a kid yes let's fast forward to you're growing up you're starting to figure out who sean is what yes. sean's going to be Tell me, I I, I learned so much. I love doing this show for a million reasons. One of them is I I just learn all kinds of crazy stuff about each of my guests as I prepare for these things. You worked on a late 90s soap opera (laughs) television show called
4: Sunset Beach. Wait,
0: before that. Before, oh, there's a before that. that.
4: Okay. I worked at EB Games in the Lombard Mall across from EGM for like five years. Nice. As like a preteen into teenage years. Yeah, first job kind of thing. First job kind of thing. Slinging, uh. Uh, Donkey Kong Country with a big orange hat on my head <laughs> um, and then I got an internship out here or out in Los Angeles when I was 19 and that would be for that show so it's called Sunset Beach Yeah, uh, it was this failed Aaron Spelling daytime soap opera so my first introduction to LA was like oh yeah of course you hang out with like the Spellings and you go to this block long <laughs> mansion and yeah. actually threw up in Aaron Spelling's bowling alley <laughs> underground by mistake this is already off to a horrible well, start
0: let's press pause for a second
4: <laughs> how do you end up with an internship so where are you from originally is Downers it chicago Grove, illinois so it's like yeah. 20 minutes outside of chicago okay yeah.
0: So how how do you get from Chicago? Did
4: you want to go out west into the games games or entertainment industry? What's entertainment for sure? I was yeah. going to school in Chicago at Columbia College for film. Okay. So this was like a writing internship uh, that a friend of the family was actually a writer on this series, Sunset Beach, and she had written on all the you know Days of Our Lives, all yeah. these other soap operas, and it was like, will your parents let you go out there and live alone while you're 19? And I made the case everywhere, and I got credit from Columbia. Talked nice. them into it, Then I dropped out of college. So it didn't didn't matter. But (laughs) I I pushed and pushed and moved out and stayed for those three months. And I was like, I just need to stay out here and start working. I mean,
0: that must have been, like,
4: if that had happened to me at 19, I'd have
0: been freaking out. That would have been the most awesome thing. Like, what do you mean, what? I get to go out to LA and
4: work on a TV show? It was crazy. Were you just out of your mind? Out of my mind. Yeah. So yeah, basically during the day, I would just like drive golf carts around and take people down to set. And then sometimes they'd be like, try this weird wardrobe thing on yeah. so that we can see if the color looks right. But I was all pale and skinny and bluish white colored. And I was like, <laughs> just don't show these pictures to anybody. Uh, and then, yeah, I just kind of like at the end of that was like, I just want to stay and work because I didn't get a job there and I was probably going to go back to school, which would have yeah. been great. But, um... From there, a friend of mine that had been uh, like the office assistant on that show knew somebody over at D- Disney Feature Animation, and I was like, "I'm going to go try and get in there as a PA and make my way in there." So yeah. then I took that jump. Wait, so it really is who you know, isn't it? It's, it's like, like a mix of like you have to just have no fear, which I have a lot more fear now that I'm in my. early I'm the 40s. same way.
1: I'm the
0: same way. Like <laughs> I'm way different. worse now. Yes. Like I but got LASIK then.
4: when I was 22. I would like it would no,
0: terrify no. me now. But no I just la- I just laid down and did. <laughs> (laughs) it
4: then. (laughs) No, I would definitely not do it now. Too much to lose. Uh, So yeah, I, at that time it was just like work my ass off. Plus it was free. I had saved up a bunch of money and I just, kept pushing through. And yeah, I happened to know a person that was friends with somebody over at Disney. I interviewed there. I actually promised the person to her credit, I won't say her name, but she was like, I will only give you this job as a PA if you promise to go back to school. And I was like, absolutely. And I just didn't do that. I just started working there. Stay in school, kids. (laughs) Stay in school. Uh, yeah. So that my first day there, I was a PA on Bugs Life. And so I was like the recording coordinator and PA on that. Are you in the credits? I'm in the credits for that, and the credits for Tarzan, a bunch of crazy Disney movies. That's awesome. Yeah, which is crazy. So you ended up, before you get to
0: where you are now (laughs) uh, as as the head of, you know, co-head of your own studio, you worked for
4: Disney on somehow three separate occasions? Three times. How does that happen? It's a gift and a curse, I don't know. (laughs) So the first time was feature animation, right? So I worked there for... I don't know what did you find four years I can't remember <laughs> Some
0: so that's, period that's of the time.
4: PA job That's it. so it was a PA then into a coordinator so okay. I was like the effects coordinator on Tarzan was the last thing that I cool. did but I was still only 20 whatever 21 20 yeah. I didn't even know what I was doing really And what I realized at that point in time was, like, I was climbing a totem pole that I didn't really know what I would do there. Because within Disney, certainly at that time, you had to be, like, a story artist if you were going to have a creative impact on how the narrative worked, Mm -hmm. um, which I was not. Or you had to be an animator or a variety of other things. So it was, like, there was this production path there that seemed cool, but these movies take, you know, for people that don't know, it's, like, four to eight years to make an animated movie. So major, major commitment. Yeah. So... Um, after that period of time That's when I was like I want to get out of this But I still did not know How to get into games At all It was another kind of fluke
0: what was, So was the games <laughs> thing Was that just like Always in the back of your head Like man I'd love to make video games. Hyper
4: passionate about games. Yeah. Like, every aspect of my life was games, from, like, like outside. So, you know, I was a big, like, pen and paper guy, but not on D&D, on the Ninja Turtles RPG instead. There was a, tur- <laughs> there was
0: a pen and paper? Oh, yeah. This that pen, sounds pen awesome. Ninja
4: Turtles thing. And it was all, like, the old comic style, so hyper-violent, oh, yeah. you know, they're all tied up the red. Eastman
0: and Laird yes. stuff. And like, there was yeah.
4: crossovers with ninjas and super spies and a few other things, and there was just this big, crazy... Yeah. Thanks. So, anyways. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Do you roll? <laughs> are you playing one of the f- turtles in this in this you
0: pen and paper, or are you, or you, make, your you make your own character?
4: And I made. Who were you? His name. This is horrible. His name was Nemad, which was yeah. Damien backwards. Yeah. I was thirteen. Don't don't hate. Him. <laughs> he was scaly. He had blades coming out of everything. He yep. was covered in blood. My mom probably should have called the police. <laughs>
0: what was the a, a mutation of? It was like everything.
4: Everything you know, It was like when you go to the you go to subway and put all the soda in one cup. Right. I had that mentality. And
0: so you drew Just him in some like notebook paper. Drew him i him in notebook oh, paper. Yeah. Rolled a bunch of dice. Yeah. here we go. That's cool.
4: And it was like yeah, he would go and you know stop drug deals and in, in uh, warehouses things right. like that. <laughs> As mutants do. So games are always in the back of your head. You're Absolutely. playing
0: games, pen and paper and video game. Um, yeah. So, was there? What, what made you want to be a game developer? Was it was it that sort of the, that love that was always there, combined with this sort of production path in in entertainment that's not going quite where you want it to go, or it's, wh- it's where does it come from?
4: Exactly that. And I, you know, I will say, looking back, it probably seems like it all fell into place with a, a major plan in place, but it was more <laughs> like I knew I wanted to stay in LA. I knew I wanted to work in entertainment and or games. Yeah. I was looking for games jobs, but at that time, this is like 99, right? Mm-hmm. So in 99, there wasn't a very clear path. It wasn't like, Oh, I'm going to go to USC and have this right. huge game career. That's going to, you know, sprout from that. It was v- everybody's path back then. Had was, was very odd. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, at that time, it's another one of these things where it was like somebody that I had worked with at sun- during the sunset beach era she had mentioned to me that uh she had a friend who was also like a coordinator over at universal interactive at yes the time. so universal interactive was this perfect kind of crossover for me because i had the experience of where i had just been the last few years on the film side and universal interactive was on the lot they you know this is when they were still working with insomniac and working with naughty dog mark cerny was like just leaving as the head of universal interactive at, at that time yeah um, and I interviewed there for like an associate producer gig. And it wasn't even a design thing at all. It was much more on the production right. path. And it just worked. It just happened.
0: <laughs> you're, in your, you're, you're in your early 20s and at this 21 point. So at 21. 21. Maybe 22. And so in my notes, it's, you ended up heading up a team that
4: was working on a platformer for Universal. Do, is that correct? So, that is correct. So, um, in the very beginning, I was working on a couple of the Crash spinoffs, and these were the bad Crash spinoffs. <laughs> you know, the moment when Naughty Dog is like, bye, and then it's like, here's a really whack uh, PS2 game or whatever. So, I was working on that, doing some design work and working as an associate producer. But Microsoft, at that time, this is before the first Way Xbox before Xbox, on, right? yeah. And they were kind of going to publishers and developers and going like, you are great at this, so we want to partner with you on this. So they're going to go to EA to try to get a great sports game. And mm-hmm. they came to us because platformers were still really oh, yeah. a big deal, right? And so um, our whole kind of production crew started to pull together these various pitches. And I, in over the course of a weekend, just go nuts and write this ridiculous pitch about a ferret that has been kidnapped by a torturous kid and he's kept in a cage under a bed <laughs> and the kid watches all these violent kung fu movies and so yeah. the ferret steals a big pen and some yarn and a paper clip and he breaks out he fights all these cockroaches and then he goes on this animal liberation movement so it's like this like dirty toy story type of a <laughs> <Yeah>. platformer <laughs> that had stealth in it and it was called Ferris so I pitched this to Microsoft and they green light it And I'm like, what? (laughs) Because I don't know what the hell I'm doing still. Like, I'm just sort of (laughs) winging it. And we're like, we're going to find a developer to work with on this thing. And so... That's essentially what happened. I mean,
0: this is the age of Impossible, right? So it's like, I guess, I guess the. That was it. it Sounds like it's good to go. Like, all right,
4: green light, let's do this. It was insane. So we initially, it was with Bizarre Creations. You remember Bizarre? Of course. I mean, Project Gotham Racing, Blur. I mean, what an incredible studio. Yeah, so, so great to work with. Super, super talented. And so this was, I think, right after they did Fur Fighters. So they were like a really good kind of fit for that. That
0: would have been probably, I think, maybe pre Metropolis
4: street racing. Racing. That was sort of before yeah, hit like the racing. Yeah, like two years before. I think yeah. PGR was already out. But may, Or which one you Metropolis
0: first? MSR was first, and that, that and led PGR to PGR. There, yeah.
4: Yeah. Um, but yeah, so then I work on this game for like a year. They give me a budget. I'm the producer and lead designer on it. I'm spending all this time out in the UK. I'm just a child. <laughs> are, are your parents, like when you call home to t- tell your parents <laughs> what's going on, like,
0: are they like just stunned at what you're, like do they just think that, California is this magical place or that you're just this this is like golden like Midas touched
4: child. Know. like I don't know <laughs> what, I what do don't your know parents think? I don't know every time I was going back home though it was odd it was very odd because I was like this is working out and there's yeah. certainly low times you know I'm just talking through the highlights but yeah. like that part was crazy because yeah then I'm, <laughs> yeah I'm flying to the UK all the time so then I think right around then, so Sly Cooper comes out, a few other games come out that are in that general genre, but like three or four come out that bomb. I can't remember the names of them, but a few of these big budget platformers come out and then Universal pulled the plug. So that was it. We're like a year in and I had blown all this money and the game just sort of died, which sucked. Um, so then I kind of sk- I, I flipped back over working on more crash stuff, but working on the, the better ones. So that was fun. Yes. Um, doing design work and production work on those. And then, um, oh, then we can go into 50 cent. That's-
0: yeah. Well, I mean, that's, so you, you worked on the first one, Bulletproof. Yes. yes. Um, the- just before we, before we get to that, uh, just licensed game. Cause you worked on, mm. and I think a lot of licensed games over the years.
4: Like twenty, probably. That's
0: a lot, yeah, a ton. Um, you know, that to me, to, to to a gamer who just sort of sees the final product, it seems like working on a licensed game would be a total nightmare. Mm. Where you just have fixed budget, fixed time, and you better get it done or else. Because most of them, over the years, I guess up until recently, when People have started to put more money and time into these things, but they were, they always had the reputation of being kind of just horrible, terrible. <laughs> yes, I mean they still so, mostly do, right? I guess it's mostly? more on, on it's more they get kind of pushed to mobile now. Yes, it's not as sure. we don't see for them sure. as much on the console side. But yes, yeah. What's like? Do you know as you're I as you're a it. mobile game developer that you you just know that you're you just have to make the best of a tough situation, it's, or do you do you think like? Yeah, this is. Good. I'm going to make this awesome. This is going to be great, and then it somehow doesn't. It somehow goes horribly awry. Like, what's? It's what is the super mindset? different every time. Okay. So,
4: like, all those um, those logistics you're talking about, about timelines and budgets and all that, those are all awful, uh, certainly. But even on top of that, it's, like, how much uh, feedback or direct line of communication do you have with the license holder is is critical, right? So, like, even recently, like, we did the Mr. Robot game for, like, through our studio at night school. Yes. That went great because we worked directly with their whole team, and it was very fast and fluid, and they trusted us, and we trusted them. And, like, these people who have these licenses or the creators of these shows— they don't want to make something shitty. Like, they want to make great stuff, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> so it's about all the layers in between, usually, and it's also about how risky do you want to get with it. So in the case of the 50 Cent game, that went really awry, like the first one. <laughs> that, so yeah,
0: I gotta got hear about that, because
4: first of all, like, are you do you volunteer for this? Are you assigned to okay, it? So like, how does it come about? Well, before that, here's the worst licensed game, The Grinch, okay, I worked on The Grinch, uh, PS1, it was Dreamcast PS1, can't remember what else, maybe N64. Um, and I don't mean to say it's the worst game, but that is the example that you're speaking of, I think, where yeah. it's like, it's just, the timelines are bad, everything is sort of bad. And on that one, you know, to, all credit to A2M, who was the developer on it, I think they're called Behavior now. Uh, what, really? They, I think they changed the name, yeah. But it was like, how do we do a Spyro clone in 10 months? And it was sort of like, that's hard as hell, that's going to be a nightmare, but it's kind of a fun... Challenge. Like you actually aren't, you know, hating on yourself at the moment. You're yeah. just more like, this is crazy, let's get gung ho and go do it. And the thing that I tell a lot of people is like, making a bad game is almost exactly as hard as making a good game. Hmm. Like, the amount of effort and the amount of intelligent people and the amount of, like, vision that goes into those games is is very akin to some of our favorite games. It's just that those teams aren't afforded a lot of the opportunities and they're getting focus-tested to death and they've got a boardroom full of people who are shooting things down. So, so you're getting noted to death? Yes, like, nonstop, right? And so I think... For, the, for a game like that, you know, that's going to inherently put out a product that's not that great. But um, in, like I said, you know, in the, in the case of the Mr. Robot game, that worked out really well. And there can be sort of any spectrum in between. Right. 50 was weird because I was like initially sort of the internal... Uh, flag waiver just behind, like, let's make a thing. Like, we should yeah. do this. Um, and Interscope Records was basically part of the big same parent company. So mm-hmm. that's why that all started. Okay. Um, and at the time, Interscope was like, we want to make a game. We think that this guy is going to be huge. And the more we looked into it, it was like, yeah, this does, I mean, he's going to blow up. Get Rich or Die Trying hadn't come out yet. Yep. Um, he was, you know, obviously under the tutelage of Dre and, and Eminem. And so then it turned into, like, okay, let's get behind it. We actually started making a much bigger game a much bigger game. It was like an open world GTA clone initially with another studio that I don't know if I should mention, but they're a great studio. Uh, That got really far along, far enough along, then it got canceled. And then at the last minute, it was like, we still need to make this game for oh. scope <laughs> so fast forward 50 cent bulletproof is another one of these like 11 month titles right I mean it's like a brutal timeline so the team there like I mentioned earlier when you talk about people that do great work that are working their butts off like the lead designer went on to do um, uh, Darksiders 1 and 2 wow. like most of that team went on to do really incredible things but just had a lot of challenges thrown at them man um and what, how do you feel about that game now? Like, <laughs> it was fun. No, I mean the game. The game was not fun. Working on the game was a blast. <laughs> I think the game is what we all think it is. It's like a pretty bad third-person shooter. I think that Blood in the Sand ended up being much better. Well, I, I left before that really. I was gonna got say underrated. like.
0: If you tell people you worked on the 50-cent game, does everyone immediately think it was one <laughs> like, yeah. of the same? They're like, yeah, I think it was cool. I'm like,
4: oh, well, it wasn't that How about one. the other one? <laughs> yeah, no, we like we, we were ideating that one right before I left. So we would sit in the room. We're like, what's the most outlandish, ridiculous setting? And, yeah. you know, like I think a lot of people... I think some of the charm of that game is that people are still like, do people know that this is hilarious? Everybody that worked on it knew it was hilarious. <laughs> like, this was not intended to be serious. It was very tongue-in-cheek. But, like, the first game, I mean... We had, so the writer of Bulletproof was Terry Winter, who was the creator of Boardwalk Empire. He wrote Wolf of Wall Street. He was the (laughs) exec producer of Sopranos. It was like that caliber, you know? And then, like, I got to direct Dr. Dre. So it was, I liked working on it. The game's not great, but (laughs) it was fun to work on That's pretty cool. Yeah.
0: All right, so let's fast forward. When and how do you connect with your cousin Adam, who'd who'd worked at Telltale on, uh, coincidentally, probably my two favorite Telltale Games, Wolf Among Us and Tales from the Borderlands,
4: uh, and, and decide to start your own independent studio. So we... Uh, we connected when he was born, um, and, that, <laughs> and uh, for years we had wanted to work together. So we actually worked at the same company most of that decade. Like, he was at Universal doing QA while I was oh, okay. there. Uh, when I was at Disney Interactive, he was there. So he like had we the, were games, always the game around. development bug, too. He had the bug as well. Um, and I think that, you know, for, up until then, there was just not a natural path to us doing it. We had talked about maybe we write a movie together, maybe we do this, maybe we do that. But... Like, digital distribution had not really taken off yet. Unity wasn't really a thing. So, like, there was no way for us to do that. And about, I don't know, maybe, I guess this is 2011-ish, I actually went up and interviewed at Telltale to be a creative director there. Didn't get that gig, but we kept, and he was there at the time. Adam was already there. And at that point, that was the light switch, where we were both like, we want to do something special together, let's figure it out, and let's be very aggressive about it. Like, now it's time to shit or get off the pot. So we spent about six months ideating what we'd want to do. This is while I was still at Disney, he was a Telltale, and then I got laid off at Disney. And then that was the perfect, like, kick to get things rolling, basically Um, because I had a two-year-old daughter and it was like, you know, you have basically five months before you burn through all your savings. Uh, Let's get this thing off the ground. And so we pulled together like a business plan and the general structure of Oxenfree in that period of time.
0: Did one or the other convince,
4: like who who was leading the charge on that that effort? Because that's a big decision. It's a huge decision, especially when he was already gainfully employed (laughs) while I was (laughs) without a gig. Uh, I mean, we had been talking about it at for for months prior to that but it was almost more of a cathartic thing in the beginning you know when you work somewhere you're like oh, wouldn't it be cool if we did this if we did that yeah. but then it really started to coalesce and then when that layoff happened it was like I'm going to do it. So he basically said to me, he's just like, I trust you. I'll like, let me know when these things are really starting to come together. And we worked at night a lot on what a proposal would look like and how we could actually go out and raise some money to try and get a game.
0: That was the next thing I wanted to ask you. It's like, you know, I've had
4: a million developers in here and it's fascinating
0: to me every time, but like, how do you conv- who, how, how do you go get money? That like it's not cheap to set up shop. I mean, you probably—I don't know how many employees you guys have. I'm sure it's a, a dozen we're up
4: or more. At Thirteen now. But back then, We were four. So. Oh, but still, it's like you
0: gotta pay people. You gotta—you got lawyers for you know for all the. 401k and all this and that, like yeah, toilet but, paper. But first, you got to raise like. So, who do you even target?
4: Do you have to go to? Do you start like at a bank, or do you look at like investment firms? Or it's, it's a great question. Um, for this specific thing, it was another case of making the most of prior working relationships. So well, you are you're I, like a charmed man. You know that, right? Like, I I had left games for five years in the middle of everything we talked about, and yeah. went to work on the marketing side of things. And so, um, I worked at a marketing agency. We, I wrote like a bunch of ARGs, which you know what an ARG is, yeah. So did did a bunch of um, creative work for games and film on the marketing side, and decided that I wasn't a marketing person. Like I was okay in that space, and I liked. I got the entrepreneurial itch from doing that because you're out pitching and you're yeah. getting shot down all the time. But ultimately, when I left, the head of one of those agencies that I had worked at, he like we left on really good terms, and he good. was like, "If you ever want to work together again, let me know." So he in the in the very beginning when I was pitching night school, it was actually to be an extension of his agency. Now, he was really interested in that, but then he was like, we as an agency have our own identity crisis because agencies are like, we do this, we do that, we do other things. Why are we making new IP video games? (laughs) So at the last minute, he kind of was more like, "We'll, we'll put a little bit in, but you got to go raise the rest of it. Sure. And then that was just a crazy hunt for for folks. Now, the amount that I asked for was enough for four people to work for a year and a half, right? So it wasn't overly crazy. Right. Um, But fortunately, they trusted me enough to have what at the time was probably a pretty simplistic business plan because we really were just like, let's make the coolest possible game that we adore and we'll put it out. There's no free-to-play hooks. <laughs> it's just gonna make something really cool, and uh, that's yeah, that's how it came together over the course of those six months.
0: So, uh, what what lessons and wisdom does does Adam impart from his time at Telltale, either good or bad? Right, like yeah. oh, this this totally worked. We should do this, or or let's make sure to not do this at all. Um, I'm sort of I'm sort of curious because you know I don't know. I mean, this is a while ago. Telltale, obviously, and unfortunately. Ended very badly, which I mean, I'm a, in my opinion certainly seemed to have been poor management mm-hmm. from the top that, that sunk the studio. So, what were were, were there uh, some sort of obvious lessons that
4: that you guys had learned to live by right away? So, not re- only the creative ones, not the business okay. ones early yeah. The creative ones, it was more like, how can we siphon his learnings about branching narrative design that he got there in the short time that he was there? Because I think he was there for like a year and a half, two okay. years. But he still oversaw a ton of projects there. And they had a lot of great process in place in terms of like, how to reinforce player agency and how to really get choices making sense. And so, uh, and he's just a great writer. And so, I think in the beginning, it was like, how do we take that from what they require 200 people to make and how do we let four people do it <laughs> and how do we like distill that because in the beginning we were like we were just like like i think we talked for a while about going how do you take limbo and the walking dead and mix them together that was like the mission that's statement and that's really what we were pitching it was like limbo and the walking dead like what if you're playing limbo and you could talk while you're doing it and then <laughs> that got us this momentum but you know, over time, I think, it, it was less about when he started there. And it was more, like, because we worked with them on the uh, uh, the Mr. Robot game and on an unannounced thing that ended up going down when they went down. Yeah. And during that time, it was, then we really realized, like, just stay lean and stay yeah. innovative. Yeah, because like you, uh,
0: you guys didn't get paid for that, is what I There what was I a, a
4: chunk that we did not, right. So, <laughs> so that I mean, was rough.
0: Was that, was that scary? Like, is there, I mean, you, hopefully you Terrified. planned for that? I mean, I, I can't imagine... Having a client that that won't
4: that can't or won't pay when we're that small, it's like a blow to the side of the ship that is almost you can barely recover from yeah. it. So fortunately, you know, we had mi- we have so far still sort of mixed doing original IP and then doing some outside like client work here and there, and so like NBC Universal w- with Mister Robot and yeah. then the Mummy game that we made, which let's just skip over that one. Uh-
0: <laughs> Isn't that kind of Hollywood thing of
4: like? One for them, one for us. It's, a little, it's, it's literally sort of like that, yeah. And you know, there's licenses that we would want to like knock out of the park, and those ones we wanted to do as well. But yeah. like, we are not allergic to working with partners who will keep us safe and who are yeah. good to work with, you know. So, um, but yeah, when that happened, it was it was terrifying.
0: So uh, yeah, night school spinning up. Which, by the way, it's, so does does the name night school come from the fact that you guys started
4: by working on, in the evenings? You know on what? It? I wish it was that. <laughs> it's just we're like it sounds cool. <laughs> I swear to God. It was more like it's evocative of a little bit of that. Well, you know, you can set your
0: own narrative right
4: now. You can <laughs> Actually. Just... <laughs> no. It was it was really like it was just that vision of like there's youthfulness, there's stuff going on after hours, yeah. there's all of that. But there's no hyper specific thing. Yeah. So did,
0: did the the idea for Oxen Free sound like did that come right at the studio's onset? Like you, you had that going in, like that that was uh, Urine uh, and and Adam's idea heading into this whole thing. It was. It was, There were two. I'm things. gonna refill you by Please the way. Do. I was, Let's see how. I was how...
4: giving you the eye. <laughs> um, Am I? Oh, good pour. It's a little better. A little better. It's a little better. Um, there we a go. Great pour. Yeah,
0: okay, not bad, that's right? A great pour. I don't do this
4: for a living. Yeah, thank you. Let's. Look at that!
2: That's a really good part. <laughs>
4: um, yeah, the we had two ideas that we wanted to somehow merge. One was just a pure design idea, which was like, how can we make story the toy? Yeah. So, like, how can, if every other studio is going story is this connective tissue between what the real gameplay is? We were like, how do we just make the gameplay story? And so, communication and all of that was like a thing that we wanted to make sure there was no cutscenes. We never took control away from the player, and there was more like an ability for the player. And so. From that, knowing how small we were, we were like, well, let's start to develop ideas for a story that a team this small can make. So, a desolate island is a pretty good place for something like that. A small cast is a pretty good place for something like that. Them not having machine guns and rocket launchers is probably <laughs> pretty cost effective for us. Um, and so, on, you know, on the other side of that, like we're just huge fans of like Spielbergian '80s teen preteen stuff. And there, it wasn't overly saturated yet. Like Stranger Things hadn't come out. None of that was really out yet when we started because it was 2014 like mm-hmm. right when we were starting and so those two things just kind of kept feeding each other it's like the toy is talking and we want a bunch of teens who are dealing with teen coming of age stuff yeah and and we kept going but the the ghostly nature of it that came later uh, we didn't have that yet so at what point during the project i always
0: love asking this question of everybody that's made something cool where when when do you know that you have something special is it like on paper up front, like, this is gonna be great, or is it not until cu- gamers are playing it, like, or somewhere in between? I'm always
4: curious. It is a it is an emotional roller coaster because in the very beginning, you're like, oh, I got something really special here, and then you start to sort of, like, dig in a bit, and you go, oh, there's a lot of problems under here that we have to solve, <laughs> that even though we thought we were picking the simplest thing, it's extremely difficult, yeah. and then you solve a bunch of those problems, you go, oh, this is incredible, and so, like, for us, the out, from the outset, we're like a coming of age story where you determine how the player comes of age, and you can talk freely the whole time. That we're like we're onto something, but. About halfway through the game, we're like, this game sucks. <laughs> like, we are, we're dead in the water because none of the performances were in yet. It was way more complicated to make than we expected. Like, there's so much performance in the characters' animations. There's so much in terms of, like, how do you uh, convey fear and tension when the camera is so far away? Right. and You don't have the language of film to work with where we're cutting between people. And so for a long period, it was like, I don't know if this is going to work. And then right towards the end, we're like, okay, this feels special. So it's it's definitely, it's a roller coaster. Huh. So it's, it's, by the by the end, by the time you shipped it, you, you felt really good about it. Yes, although even then, it was like, the game was so synonymous with the studio, we didn't even really think, I mean, Night School was a studio, but really we were like, we're the people making oxen free together. <laughs> and if it doesn't do well, we're going to just go get other jobs. But if it does do well, Oh shit, we got a studio. <laughs> we got to make some more things. And yeah. so right when it came out, we had something we were proud of, but we didn't know if it would resonate. But yeah, we felt great about it. Well,
0: on a sort of the other side of that same coin, I'm curious, you know, is it frustrating at all to try and cut through the noise as mm-hmm. an independent studio, you know, knowing that you have something you feel really good about to just try and get noticed when there are like 5,000 other great independent
4: titles? that are publishing to PC and consoles on an almost literal daily basis? (laughs) Yes, uh, it's terrifying. It continues to get even more terrifying. I think um, one of the things that probably helped from just that stint that I did on the marketing side was understanding at least where to start with an idea that is big and not so esoteric that it's hyper-focused on just a particular group of gamers. And so, you know, there's a way that we could communicate Oxenfree that would sound very focused, but there's another version where you just go... You know, it's it's a playable uh, freaks and geeks and poltergeists mixed together, and how do we communicate the game that way and, and give that promise? And so that's not just, like, how you message the game, but even, like, our art style, for example. At that time, pixel art—I mean, pixel art is still huge, but, like, at that time, it was, like, the biggest thing from, yeah. like, 2012 to twenty. 15 and we were like, let's intentionally go left. Even though we love those types of games, we want to look different and make it look like we are, you know, somebody that would be talked about with the other big boys. So right. like I think Cappy does a great job of that and has always done a great job of that. Like they are an indie studio that has um, that that is always talked about in sort of the triple A conversation. True. And we we kind of leaned into that and we continue to try to do that.
0: So what sort of similar question of uh, from a minute ago, was there a point where you felt like, you know, you're put you're about to put it out into the wild and you feel like, all right, I think we have some good visibility and some good awareness here. Or is it still just terrifying to, to
4: are you sitting there going, is anyone even gonna notice this game? It's definitely terrifying even once it's out, right? So like we got pretty good reviews, so that helped. But even then, it's like, how do you get people to latch on to the aspects of the game that we think they should latch on to? And yeah. with a game like Oxenfree that has so much sort of mystery behind the story. You, we were very precious, I think, early on, in all the wrong ways. We were like, "Check this out, isn't it mysterious?" And then didn't really convey what was happening in the game. And over time, we changed how we messaged that. So, like, when the PS4 version came out a few months after the Xbox and PC version, we leaned into the mind-bendiness of the game, and yeah. we leaned into the time loops and the puzzles and and all of that intrigue, and and kind of pulled back from some of the things that were more. Kind of generic because it's not a horror game. We don't want to sell it as a horror game. So you just find ways. I think for us, one of the biggest things was like talking to the community a lot and understanding what they love because for us, we're like, there's it's a jambalaya of a lot of stuff we love, mm-hmm. but maybe there's only three things that people are really resonating with. So you just ch- change the message based on that.
0: And, and do you feel like that worked on the P- with, with the PS4 version?
4: Absolutely, yeah. So on the, even before the PS4 version came out, we were realizing that people were replaying the game, and we hadn't built in any sort of uh, like reward structure for that. And we're like, oh, because during Adam's time at Telltale, he was like, People barely play through these things the first time. They definitely don't play through a second time. We started looking at our metrics. We're like, people are playing Oxen Free one and a half times on average. Wow. So they're usually playing two, three if they're really into it. And we're like, there's nothing there for that. So we built the New Game Plus version then that really fit nicely with the fiction of the game because there are time loops. And we found a way to make it feel like that's the complete version of the game. And yep. then it just blew up. It really <laughs> blew up after that. I, I love hearing that. So.
0: To the dis- uh, One more thing on the discoverability thing, because it's a fascinating topic to me as somebody. Mm. I mean, it's, it's a big part of my job. I'm mm. the previews editor here. It's my job to try and filter, you know, what IGN should cover that's coming mm. up. And, you know, back when I worked at Official Xbox Magazine, it was a lot easier, both in terms of it was a single platform, just Xbox, and there, there weren't, like, we could literally... Look at every single game that came that came onto right. Xbox now with even even if I did just cover Xbox here because of ID at Xbox, there are developers constantly putting out stuff every single day so I tell you I, like i've been I have whined i've spent a lot of this generation uh, telling Phil Spencer uh, in person when I get the chance <laughs> like, hey, bring back Xbox Live Arcade like yes. a curated you know, weekly, regular thing where people know just every Wednesday I'm going to get some new stuff that's been handpicked, probably really cool Xbox Live Arcade games on the 360. Like, I would love to see that come back now. With with you know, not nothing against ID at Xbox, but things just come out and there's no way to really know like what's good and what's not. Are you with me on this? Would you like to see the platform holders kind of do some some curation? I mean, Apple Apple's trying to do this with arcade with their Apple Arcade, and that's. Looks like they might be off to a good start with that, but... As, as someone who makes independent games that <laughs> are you with me that here? would
4: thrive on that yeah. uh, well as a, as a consumer a hundred percent and then as a somebody that's running a studio a hundred percent yes um, but I think it's you know like the, there's there's a, a double-edged sword right like yeah. there's for, for the smaller teams maybe they're not going to be able to get as much recognition but True. there's such a fire hose of content out there all the time now and there, it's hard to differentiate when you've only got you know a second of somebody's attention span to understand what the promise of that game is so the platform holders like in particular really yeah xbox and apple now are are taking steps towards that which feels really good um
0: how you know before we move on to after party that is why you're here you're not here for your health you're not here for a a psychiatric analysis which hopefully that's not what this feels like but um i'm just sort of curious like obviously oxen free has done well enough that you're making another game but but how like how did it do for you guys? You know, you've you've reduced the price. It's ten dollars on any platform now, and it's on just about every platform. But get it, get it. Uh, are, like, you know, are you are you thinking? Oh, maybe we should put this on Apple Arcade or, or a Google Stadia. Like, are you kind of still looking at ways to 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 keep the
4: Oxenfree free train rolling? And, and yeah, how has it done for you guys? Definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the thing that has been the biggest learning experience for me over this whole studio is like. As much as you can do that is independent, the better you are off as a studio. And I don't mean that in a weird control freak way. I mean that in like a, we created Oxenfree, we own Oxenfree, and now that is a thing that we can pull levers on whenever we want. We can put it on sale, we can put it on whatever platform we want, and it continues to grow. And we want to keep building like evergreen franchises and games that don't feel particularly like, oh yeah, that obviously came out in 2015, 2016. And so... Oxenfree was a slow burn Like it didn't just take off immediately I think it took about a year before It was like, it really found its footing Interesting. But then once it did It just like snowballed And I think oh, there's, awesome. yeah, I mean it's been great We've done over a million units Good across multiple guys. platforms Yeah, and that's like sold And then from things like Game Pass And elsewhere, I think it's like installed over Three million times, so it's pretty crazy um, Is there a Switch version? Remind there is, a there is. Yeah, okay yes. That's probably the optimal way to play it, I Right? Would say. I mean... Yeah, it's pretty... For me, I love playing it that way. Yeah, yeah it's fantastic. Because you have touch controls and the, uh, the joysticks. True. Joy-cons.
0: So, uh, we move to After Party now. You go from teenagers trying not to die <laughs> <laughs> to uh, young adults who are dead. Unfortunately. So... Um, I ask you with all due respect as we sit here with beers did the idea for this game where you're trying to out drink
4: Satan to escape hell did it come about while you were sober? No. (laughs) No. Uh, no. (laughs) Neither did the ferret game (laughs) from earlier in our conversation. (laughs) Um, The yeah like so After Party Really, where it started was we wanted to try to build a game that was just in a bar. We thought that would be a yeah. fun thing to do, right? Like I'm the idiot who goes into a Skyrim pub and just hangs out there and drinks and watch, you know, watches the the, the animation sway in <laughs> Red Dead, and like I, I love that, right? And I yeah. was like, nobody is making. The most of pubs and bars as a setting. And at that time, I think we were about maybe a year after Papers, Please had come out. And Papers, Please was another thing where we we're like, what an efficient, brilliant game because you yeah. can have all of these different walks of life come into a single location and, and have a story come right. out of that, right? Which is very different from what we had done before. And so we were like, well, let's make a bar game. And then in the beginning, it was just like, well, what could you do? Could you be a bartender? And then as you've seen, pouring beers isn't all that fun. So <laughs> we we're like, let's do the drinking. In the bars, and then that sort of snowballed, and the hell, you know, stuff that came a little bit later, (laughs) but ultimately, we thought. As a studio that wants story to be the core of your interactions, drinks could be a really fun way to augment a dialogue system, yes. to augment abilities, to augment all of this. <laughs> it's like an RPG mechanic, basically. Absolutely it is. Yeah. So, so then the, the the funny part, this is very odd. So there's a, there's a cemetery called Forest Lawn across from our studio, and it's massive. Anybody that has been to L.A., it's like, I don't know, three miles across, literally. And so everybody's buried there, and it's this sprawling, crazy place. And we'll walk over there and brainstorm sometimes. And Adam and I were just walking past some giant uh, crypt, and we're like, wouldn't it be cool if you were dead doing this? We're like, eh, it's stupid. And then maybe two hours later, we're like, what if you had to outdrink Satan? That's really stupid. <laughs> and then a week later, we're like, no, that's that's pretty cool. Like we should do this. And then it all just came together after that. We really started working on that. That was a little over two years ago. That's so cool. Was there was there ever any thought to trying to maybe continue oxenfree story and keep that going? Absolutely. Yeah. And there are still thoughts there about are still that. thoughts. Yes, yes, we know what we would want to do with that if we did that too. So we're still thinking that through. But like, I think you know, with after party, it is almost like a. It's, it's not a spiritual successor, but you'll see, like, as people play the game, it's not just this like surface ridiculous pub crawl through hell, which right. it is all of that. <laughs> but it's really like this exploration of Milo and Lola's friendship and why they died and how they died and uh, teasing out the trauma, but in a fun way. Like, it's it's a comedy, but ultimately, if, when people play this, they're going to go, oh, "This is a direct descendant of Oxenfree." Yeah. Uh,
0: so I want to talk about. A game pass for a second mm-hmm. so you 're on game Pass now with Oxenfree, yep. and uh, you are launching after party into game Pass, which I mentioned at the top of the our conversation here uh, among among other the other platforms so uh, as much as you are legally allowed or willing i'm i 'm genuinely curious because I actually hear this a lot from you know I host our Xbox podcast here every week and and I, and there 's a lot of fans gamers that that kind of go haven't hey, How does that work as far as, like, you guys keeping the lights on and being successful? Like, so how do the economics of Game Pass work? Like, you are launching a brand new game
4: day one into Xbox Game Pass. How does that work for your studio? So, we wouldn't have even done it if Oxenfree didn't do so well via Game Pass. So, what happened with Oxenfree was, like, we ultimately, Oxenfree had come out via ID at Xbox, we already had a great relationship with them, and... Prior to Game Pass launching, they were like, we want to flesh out this catalog. Um, There are some terms that I can't talk about specifically, but it's not like they're just like, bring it over here for free. So there's, you know, you could imagine that there's a reason why we would do it. And it came out, and what I was worried about was, is this going to cannibalize other sales early on? Like, that was the main concern, right? You go, well... If this is going to be out on the same platform that it, like, I want people buying it on Xbox still. But what we found was not only when it came out on Xbox or on Game Pass did it, like, not do that, it also increased our sales everywhere else on every platform. Because I think what happened was, like, the discoverability that you're talking about certainly when Game Pass first came out, it had a more limited catalog, but I think. It's the least friction imaginable for somebody who's looking for a new game. So they heard about Oxenfree. They're like, eh, maybe I don't want to spend the money on it. They try it. They play it. Ideally, they fall in love with it. They tell their friends about it. And we got a ton more installs across the board everywhere. That's awesome. So it was great. So with Afterparty, when they reached out to us, they were like, we've had a great partnership with you guys previously. We structured a somewhat similar deal. But ultimately, it's the kind of thing where it's weird. I don't, like, nobody, nobody at Microsoft has told me to say this. But it really is like one of the best things to happen for the game industry. I completely I feel like agree. It's incredible. Yeah, I think we're in five years. This will be the just the industry norm, norm and yeah. we'll look back on buying
0: games as a as a probably mm-hmm. a weird thing. But so is it? Are there like maybe you can't say, but are there multiple sort of options? Like, are, are is it like an upfront payout to say like okay, we're gonna we're gonna make sure that you guys are comfortable, and then. You don't get anything else from there, and it's sort of like, <laughs> right. we're going to make you comfortable and that's it, or is it? Is it like a, do you get kind of a, a little piece? I guess like, like I just, I guess I just war, don't understand goes. sort of, for the financial health of the studio, what, I don't know, you know, without specifics, obviously, like, sure. can you kind of speak in general terms of, of how it's advantageous? I think to you guys. Is,
4: so I, it might be different for other studios, honestly. Like yeah. maybe they've all negotiated totally different types of deals. Um, for us, it's very similar to what I hear selling a show to Netflix feels like. So like for us, that's kind of how the structure feels. But it's been. Um, I bet for other people, it's it's different. I don't know.
0: So it's effectively you're 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 removing some of the risk. Uh, you're, you're raising your floor and lowering your poten- ceiling, maybe? Is that a, is that a fair generalization?
4: I, yeah, it's well, I would just say, yeah, because I can't go into specifics, yeah. but I would say it just offsets a lot of risk for us in a category that wouldn't otherwise even be problematic. That's right. kind of why we make that decision, because it's like we still know that we will be able to sell and sell well on Xbox, and that's the part where I wouldn't have ever signed up for this unless we tested it on the free front, yeah. but Microsoft has been an extraordinary partner, and they're very fair in their deal, and that's basically it, yeah. But, like, it's like, the decision-making process for us comes less down to how can we be aggressively monetizing over some crazy long-term, and more about, like, how do we just make the right footprint in the right places? And when it comes to Game Pass, that was like, just, it just felt right. So you're getting,
0: you're getting a lot more eyes on the game, which will in turn lead to more sales for hopefully after party and probably for oxen free too exactly is that yeah. is that yeah. fair and to it's say a, yeah
4: and it's like you know it's it's uh it's something that what what we've found when i was talking before about being overly precious about certain things um the same way that i used to be really paranoid about streamers playing through our game and spoiling it for people now i'm like it just doesn't matter and on the xbox or on the game pass front it's like this is the way to get a ton of eyeballs on this thing and ideally loving it and having it be a part of... Like, them caring about our studio moving forward, right? Yeah. Like, it meant a lot for us to now have a name for them. to right. fans. Exactly, to look forward to the next thing, yeah. So, oh, that's, that's awesome. Uh,
0: do you see... With, with I mean, do you see people that play on Game Pass... Do a lot of them buy the game, even though they already have it on? Do they like go ahead and convert that to
4: full ownership? They so because Game Pass can run out. We've seen a lot of people then they if they don't continue with their subscription, they do that. Or what we found is that they'll end up buying it on other platforms too. Nice, so okay, like, yeah, double triple dip across yes. the board. Yeah, oh, that's so that's, that's so been great. really cool. Like that's I think there's something about the size of our game and like just the the genre that makes people sort of feel like I kind of want to own this on two or three
0: yeah platforms. Platform, you want to so hang on to it forever. Right,
4: right. And that means you've done something right, if
0: people feel that way. Hopefully. Yes. <laughs> um, all right, just a couple more questions, yeah. and I, I will let you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're yeah, one and a half beers we'll in. Going this going is the solid um, <laughs> you know of. So you mentioned you mentioned early in the interview uh, LucasArts point-and-click adventure games, which yes. are extremely near and dear to me as well. Um, I'm so fortunate to have met Tim Schaefer, somebody who works three blocks from here at Double Fine, and I don't, I don't, uh, I try to stay professional in this job because I do take it seriously, but Tim's one of the people where I had to, I still had my original full throttle box Hmm. from 1996 and, you know, one of the first times I ever got to meet him, I had him sign the box. And have, have you had a chance, because you mentioned LucasArts Adventure Games, have you met Tim or, or Ron Gilbert or any sort of, of your adventure game heroes, as it were?
4: I don't know Ron. I wish I did. I've met Tim on a number of occasions yeah. now, and yeah, the first time I met him I was a blithering idiot. Uh, and fortunately now I think I've composed myself a little better each time that I see him, but no, he's great. He's like the humblest, kindest, coolest guy, and it's very hard for me to reconcile how important the games are that he's made and continues to make with where I am now, because yeah. like a lot of what we do, obviously the DNA of a lot of what we do comes from that lineage. What? Um, who, who are sort of your Game industry heroes. You know, as you said you've
0: been playing since you were a little kid in yeah, Atari Twenty Six Hundred. Are there are there designers that that you've always
4: really held in in super high specific esteem tim for sure um mizuguchi is probably the biggest one although that is a he he exists in such a different lane that we (laughs) will never even attempt to try to compete in but like my god mizuguchi circa dreamcast era is probably as important to me as a lot of the stuff we mentioned earlier it's just that i was older playing that stuff um but yeah actually that's all i would say i would start and end with mizuguchi (laughs) um what do you what do you hope
0: gamers again October 29th? Yes. Game Pass, PS4, Xbox, PS4? PC. And and what's uh, if if it's if it's not Game Pass, what's the price?
4: Are we are we $1999? 19.99. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's the message that everyone should take away yes. from this interview, but and that the game um, is amazing. It's about two <laughs> friends who die and go to hell and have to drink their way out of hell like we're doing right now.
0: <laughs> Wait, this is hell? We're in hell no, no, we're no, no, dead? No. Oh, no. I've made some terrible choices along the way. Um, but yeah, what, what are you hoping the gamers take away from
4: After Party? What is, what is your hope there? I think at the highest level, just that they laugh because <laughs> it's a very different game than what Oxenfree was. Yeah. Like we, we set out to make this game to feel more like a lean back, watch Rick and Morty or uh, you know BoJack Horseman with your friends on the couch, Adult Swim style of thing yeah. on the surface. And then the further you dig, and the further you play through it, I think, uh, I guess the next layer after having fun and laughing would be, oh, wow, this touched my heart even more than Oxenfree. There's a lot that we are not really talking about yet in terms of, like, the exploration of their friendship and why they're in hell, and the nature of all these various people that are there. So I think there's going to be a lot of surprising stuff in the game. But ultimately, just I hope you laugh and have fun in it because it really does. Like we feel like it feels like an episodic binge-worthy series on Netflix or something. It's like a crazy adult animated show. Also, and who doesn't need a good laugh? That's right? it. I mean, now I mean, for sure.
0: Laugh. <laughs> uh, television is mostly like awesome but serious dramas and comedy. Have we fun. need, we need a Have good fun. laugh.
4: That's what, like, this game is inspired, but like, when we started Oxenfree it was all the Spielberg stuff, like I said. This one we were like, how do we make a Bill and Ted? How do we make <laughs> a Beetlejuice? How do we make the Edgar Wright movies? You know, how yeah. do we, like, that type of a vibe. And that, that's, you know, we just, we don't, there's a lot of those movies, but there's not a lot of those games. So we kind of wanted to make a playable version of that.
0: So you guys, uh, Night School Studios just recently celebrated your five-year anniversary Congratulations on you. that! So, uh, last question for you: what what
4: is does the next five years look like? What's the plan? What's uh, What's the hopes and dreams? So, there's a few things that are going on. Uh, one, this is the smallest thing possible. Yeah, we're, we're making an after-party beer. Really? I swear to God, <laughs> we'll put it on this left. Well, yeah. What is it? I swear to God, what, it's what gonna got? be an IPA. We're very IPA? early on. Yeah, it'll be an IPA. It's, uh, all right. We're early on that, but that's not the important stuff. Um, We just want to keep making story games, but that story gets interacted with really differently each time, like, that you haven't seen before. And I think for us, that means more original IP. Like, we have to, like... The reason Oxenfree works, the reason Afterparty works well and that they don't feel like weird licensed games is that the story idea was born from a set of mechanics and the two kind of talk to each other and we just want to keep experimenting in that space. So, you know, we're not like, oh, we're a transmedia company. We're we're a game studio (laughs) that wants to make fun, awesome games. But by the end of them, we hope you love our characters. So there will be certainly new IP and there will likely be revisiting some other IP that already exists. Nice teaser, (laughs) I like that. Uh, Sean Crankle, the co-founder of
0: Night School Studios. October 29th is the day you need to go on your platform of choice, except for Switch, because that'll come a little later, soon-ish. But, uh... J- jump on play after party buy it for 20 bucks if you're on xbox and you got a game pass subscription you can just download it and have fun sean thank you so much thank this you. was a blast thanks for I being uh, my first guest at the at the bar arcade yeah, slash man. barcade slash whatever i'm allowed to say or I'll not clean say. up now. trademark <laughs> yeah I, I uh we did okay i think we did good it was I fun agree. I agree. Uh, for more From the best, brightest, and most interesting minds in the games industry, check back every month for new episodes of IGN Unfiltered.